Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson, Michael Remus with you. We got a packed show. Lots to get to. Stanley Cup Final, NBA Finals. We've got Mike McIntyre popping on uh, the program to talk a little more Jets offseason as well as his travels both to Germany and, oh, God, I was so jealous of him being at the RBC Canadian Open on the course of the weekend. We'll also talk a little CFL with Justin Dunk. Matt Calvert is going to join the program to tee up the Stanley Cup Final. He's on his way to Denver to watch his old team try and raise hockey's holy grail once again. And uh, one of our favorites, a true renaissance man, Mo Khan, will pop on the program as well. We'll hit Canada Soccer's loss to Honduras last night, as well as his new role as the voice of one of the teams in the CEBL, along with the NBA Finals. Um, lots to get to today, and certainly we'll be talking about a little video we made at the end of yesterday's program, which has gotten quite a bit of traction on the old interwebs. Uh, but before we do that, I want to welcome everyone that's watching the program on YouTube, especially new viewers. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, here in the pig in the peg, one o'clock central, banging it out for a couple hours on YouTube. And for you podcast listeners, or if you'd like to get the podcast, just simply search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get podcasts. Hit the subscribe button, and you'll have it in your feed. Usually about 15 or 20 minutes after the show, around 3:30, just in time for your drive home. And hey, we cannot get this going without thanking all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace and Wallace, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Court, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club, Cool Bet Canada, Tamar. How was the weekend? I mean, I do want to talk. Jack probably heard quite a bit about as of late. Uh, the gang over at Little Brown Jug. Let's get Michael Remus in here and get this uh, get this show on the road. Remo, <laughs> quite a night last night. How are you? In my phone, I've had to like have it plugged in. It's running out of battery here. It's been crazy. Um, the response, you know, we threw it out on. Oh, we're both wearing our same hats today. I don't know. I, we, we didn't. We didn't plan this. But we um, didn't. I'm staying with change. my uniform from the video, which we'll show you in a moment. I'm gonna have to change change this deck. But um, yeah, we put out you know the offer on Friday, and we never really did anything with it. But the timing just seemed perfect yesterday to put out the video of your offer, you cutting a promo to use a wrestling term, announcing Barry Trotz, uh, or sorry, announcing the offer to Barry Trotz. And again, my phone has been blowing up, and we put it out yesterday with no hockey. You know, I guess people were very excited about the offer, and it seems to be everywhere you look that has news. Yeah, so listen, just to rewind, um, for people that may have missed Friday's show, um, we got a chance to uh, talk with our good friends, our beer sponsors over at Little Brown Jug about how we might be able to sweeten the offer. And uh, James over there said, well, what if we, what if we got the word out that we were willing to offer one Barry Trotz free beer for life <clears throat> to come back and coach the Winnipeg Jets. And not only that, if he was so inclined to have his own signature brew. Uh, of course, being a beer lover and someone that loves the wonderful products at Little Brown Jug, I'm like, that That might be 
the closing move for uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, obviously, the Jets aren't involved in this. They're doing their own due diligence, but we thought if we could come in and maybe help being closers to move this thing along and obviously have some fun at the same time, um, that we would do it. So we talked about it on Friday's show quite extensively, but it was a little long. I mean, you know, we've got two hours. We're going back and forth on a lot of stuff. It wasn't really perfect for a quick message to bury on social media where someone might have four or five minutes to listen to. So yesterday after the show, when we were finished, um, just basically cut a bit of a shorter promo and put it onto Twitter. And we thought that we'd get it out onto our social channels and along with us and Little Brown Jug, get it out and figured that maybe just maybe it could get to Barry Trotz. Well, within about 10 minutes, um, Stephen Wino, who has been on this program a number of times, who was a reporter for the Associated Press in the United States, hit me up asking if, uh, you know, he could, you know, get a comment from someone over at the brewery um, just to talk about the offer. That happened right away. Within an hour or so, there was the AP story that was up on it. And thanks again to Wino for paying attention to what we're doing here in the peg while everyone else is focusing in on the Stanley Cup final. Um, and I don't know, Remo, maybe it is a sign of the times. I'm not sure whether this happens five, ten years ago, back when most of these organizations hired lots of people. But it's quite apparent that many of these news services that we get are all getting it from the exact same spot because the minute that that article went out, it was picked up everywhere and spread like wildfire. Now, there were a few articles, um, the New York Post in particular, as well as our friends over at Bar Down, that didn't just take Wino's copy and 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 go with it, uh, and they included the original tweet. Um, now, Bar Down's made a great graphic, um, and I'm not sure there's a media outlet, certainly in Canada, um, or that covers hockey, that hasn't touched on this already. So, first things first... Thanks to everyone that has paid attention. To anyone that's found us for the first time, welcome. Join us, subscribe, hang out with us each and every day, focusing on Winnipeg sports mainly, but all the fun topics in and around the sports world. Um, but Remo, the first time we announced Winnipeg Sports Talk going, uh, you know, basically that we were going to do this, that video went pretty viral. I think that had about 135,000 views. But the way that this happened and the unique nature of it, sort of it being a fun story about something that so many of us are so invested in, and that's the hockey team here and the potential of having Barry Trotz join the club, combined with Winnipeg's favorite beer and an offer of beer for life that's quite attractive to so many people, I think um, ended up being somewhat of a perfect storm. And uh, this story has been everywhere for the past 16 hours. Yeah, Stephen Wino, because he's on uh, the Associated Press, which is a wire service, as you said, it's been picked up everywhere. Globe and Mail, CBC, TSN, Sportsnet, um, New York Post. I've seen a number of other, you know, blogs, websites, news services. Uh, CJOB put out a tweet, uh, including the offer. I mean, TSN, the official TSN Instagram account with one million followers, tagged us and Little Brown Jug. Um, and it's absolutely mind-blowing. So, yeah, we put out the video, and I agree. The, our initial video to announce it, I mean, got a lot of retweets, and this is kind of reminding me of that um, on our Twitter account. I think the video had, last I checked, 25,000 views. I put it on our TikTok, uh, over 10,000. Uh, Instagram, <laughs> very engaged. So people really think that this free beer offer um, is going to you know, nudge 
Barry trots a little more in the Jets' direction when he makes his choice. I don't know if it's going to be televised or not, like the like LeBron James' the decision, but we're but I th- walk I think... out from we're, we're going to have Barry walk out from a bunch of uh, those big silver brewing tanks in the Little Brown Jug Brewery. I... With the yeah. jet jersey on and a couple 1919s and says, let's get to work or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be uh, here for it. And again, I think I think it just speaks to how I think how valuable this offer would be if he were to consider the Jets job as people think it's gonna I think it's gonna tilt at the scales in the Jets' favor. That's probably why people are so excited about it. And I think that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, well, and, and <laughs> as I said, you know, you're you're exactly right. That's it's, exactly uh, it. It's not that there was, uh, you know, no hockey games yesterday no, and the cup media no. days today has nothing to do with that. This is that. Well, and as I tweeted out, I thank you to Stephen Wino for covering the most important story in the hockey world yesterday. That was the offer upping the ante, if you will, for Barry Trotz to come back to Winnipeg. Now, listen, many of people maybe have seen it. Maybe you haven't. Remo, it's not long, though. Let's uh, maybe just fire this up. Let people know uh, if they haven't seen it already. The promo the passionate push to Barry Trotz to come back to the peg with a full beer, a little brown jug for life. So the Winnipeg Jets head coaching search, a.k.a. Trotz Watch, continues to dominate sports conversations here in Winnipeg, and it seems like we might be getting a little closer to a decision. But in case that it's coming down to the wire and Winnipeg needs a sweetener, we here at Winnipeg Sports Talk are here to act as the closers with a special offer for Barry Trotz. Barry? I know there are plenty of teams who would love you as their new bench boss, but we need you back in your home province of Manitoba to help turn our team around. And to show you just how serious we are, we have the following offer for you. After consultation with our friends at Little Brown Jug, Manitoba's favorite local beer, we are prepared to offer you free beer for life if you become head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. 1919, Hefeweizen, Black Lager, Belgian IPA, whatever you prefer, your beer fridge will be stocked for eternity. And if that alone won't seal the deal, how about your own beer as well? Yes, I'm serious. A little brown jug beer of your own will be brewed to commemorate your return. Trot's Homecoming Lager? Trot's Prairie Pilsner? Maybe Barry's Dauphin Draft? Well, Jet fans have had many suggestions, but that will be up for you to decide. In summary... Barry, we have free beer for life on the table, along with your own Little Brown Jug signature brew awaiting for you here in the peg. Let's make this happen. Cheers. Already seen it at Sports Talk WPG. Give us a follow uh, as well as on uh, Instagram and TikTok, as Remus has just said, and pop that up. And uh, yeah, the response at it at it has been unbelievable. Um, but at the same time, Remus, I think a lot of reasons for that is that. Barry Trotz, from all reports, seems to remain very much as a possibility for the Winnipeg Jets. And maybe the timing of this was even better because, as Elliot Friedman said, heading into the week, that there could be some clarity on this mid to late week. Um, Hey, with the cup final starting tomorrow, I see no reason why not just to get on with this. So we thought we'd sort of maybe grind it in a little bit and hopefully put together an offer that uh, Barry Trotz could not refuse and I'll tell you what, if it does come to fruition, um, hopefully he's fired up about it and uh, we'll take advantage of it because honestly, as we've heard nonstop from so many people, that um, that is quite an offer. And a huge thanks to our friends at Little Brown Jug for being able to make this uh, possible as well, though I know they're sure quite happy with the viral response to the video as well, as you could quite imagine.
Again, my phone's been blowing up notifications nonstop, but I have enjoyed. I've been on like Reddit on the hockey, the main hockey channel where it was posted. And believe it or not, there's been people who are discovering that we're here doing this now. Someone wrote, I miss Hustler on the radio. And then someone's like, you know that they're on YouTube and podcasts now. Um, so, that, I mean, that's a nice bonus that, you know, maybe people who didn't know that we were here doing this. Maybe they now know and have hit the like and the subscribe and found us on, on podcast. Uh, I mean, this is the response has been incredible. Again, I think it just speaks to one, how much people would be excited if Barry Trotz come here. I mean, you think you could have a Portage in Maine signing for a head coach? I've never even heard of that, <laughs> but I think it's possible. But also, also, more importantly, just how grave an offer this is. Like, forget the, this would be the cherry on top of uh, whatever full court press uh, or whatever Elliot Friedman said to describe the Jets offer to him uh, a couple weeks ago um, would be. But th I think this would be just a nice, as you said, a nice sweetener uh, for whatever offer the Jets are making. And I have to thank many of the people in the chat because, as I mentioned, a few of the suggestions that you had had when we first broached this topic on Friday on the program uh, with the Trots homecoming lager and the Prairie Pilsner, the Dauphin draft, uh, Marat wanted just Barry's beer. Um, someone said Beery Trots would be another interesting one. But if you have any suggestions, you can uh, fire them at us in the YouTube chat or on Twitter at Sports Talk I've WPG. Seen, I've seen some good uh, suggestions. You've gotten a ton of tweets. Someone, this is the one that stuck with me. I forget who uh, who suggested it. Trots's defensive stout. Be like, so, I actually thought that one was was pretty good. Some, it was something like that. That one was good. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, hopefully it comes to fruition and we can make this happen. But I mean, it's all up. It's all up to him. Turn, who could turn down free beer for life plus a beer in their name? Hey, listen, it might not go our in the Jets way, but the one thing we'll all, especially us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we'll be able to look ourselves in the mirror and said we did everything yeah. we possibly could to try to make this happen and and uh, help spur positive change here in Winnipeg with the hockey team and the sporting community. This essentially is community service is what we're doing right now. Yeah, and, um, you know, Philly's rumored to be the other team interested and trots. Well, how do you think that the Winnipeg free beer offer is going to go over in oh. Philly? Well, here's Sam Karshidi at uh, Broad Street Bull on Twitter. It is 45,000 followers, followers, writer for Philly Hockey now. His headline, come on, Philly cheesesteak joints. You need to step up and offer Barry Trotz and help us get Barry Trotz to the Flyers. Uh, sorry, the tweet, yes. Philly cheesesteak joints need to step up to bring him to the Flyers. So he's calling on, in this article, he's calling on all the his favorite places, Jim's, Geno's, Pat's, D'Alessandro's. Someone needs to come forward. I don't know if they just want Barry Trotz there as much as, as the Little Brown Jug and people of Winnipeg want him to come here. So it's, I don't know what you'd pick. I'd rather have the beer than, than the cheesesteak.
Yeah, I, I, beer I you mean, can have at home. You have to like, go out. To, to, to be get perfectly honest, to be perfectly honest with this, I mean, the, the beer was such a unique offer, and it was just something cool. And obviously, we worked with Little Brown Jug, you know, Winnipeg's favorite local beer. Um, they won the award at the WNLAs, as did we. I mean, there was a lot of synergy between making this sort of thing happen, and it's something that it would turn a lot of heads. Um, listen, I, I'm not suggesting that you know this is truly going to be what <laughs> puts it over the top no that we are said, we'll we have are. some fun we'll have some fun if it happens there's, there's no, no doubt about that <laughs> we are suggesting because if if this pushes the nozzle in the in the direction of the jets we know who to thank and it's going to be uh you and little brown jug uh shout out to them for coming up for emailing us and coming up with this offer um absolutely incredible big guy as well we will throw in extra marbles for life from the wst marble race but i was mentioning this actually before we did it i was out watching the hockey game on thursday with greg from royal and a few fellows and we were out on the, uh, the patio and, and, and i guess a couple people overheard what we were talking about and then someone said hey Huss, and introduced himself to me and uh, they said, oh, well, if that's the case, uh, you guys are going to do the beer thing. Uh, we've got free snow clearing. We've got, uh, and then uh, the woman he was with, free haircuts. So I think the bottom line of the message to Mr. Trotz is that uh, while the Jets have done the full court press and hopefully they've done everything they can to convince you that this would be a great opportunity for you and your family and a great job going forward, this community is very excited about the proposition, uh, the possibility, I should say, of you coming back. And I think people have known what Barry Trotz has done as a head coach in the National Hockey League and a number of stops before. And you see, you know, the talent that a lot of people realize that is on this Winnipeg Jets club. And, um, you know, it is, it, it's exciting to think about that being a possibility. So all hands on deck. The beer fridge is full, Barry. Come on back to Winnipeg and come on back to Manitoba. And let's make this happen. Uh, I have a feeling this is not the last we'll hear of this. I mean, we won't speak about it all day long. But um, obviously, the beginning of the program was going to be dominated by this. Because to be honest, the entire hockey news cycle right now seems to be dominated by our offer of free beer for Barry Trotz to get back here and coach the Winnipeg Jets. Again, yeah, I've seen on like Hockey Night in Canada's tweeting it out, TSN, Sportsnet. Uh, as I said, see what CJOB I saw New York in the New York Post did um, Associated Press. Uh, shout out to Stephen Wino for putting that out there. Um, really, I can't I, wait to talk to Wino because I mean Wino writes all these articles hmm. all the time. I mean, I wonder when the last time he would have done a fun little story like this where it would have been picked up as much as it has been. I mean, like even the Winnipeg, like. I saw CTV Winnipeg put something out. The Sun put something out. Global put something out. I mean, they're not, they don't have their own people writing this story. This is Wino's story yeah. um, that he did from yesterday. So um, I guess they've got the arrangements. It's easy to pick up. It's a fun story and get it out, but it really is out there. Uh, but if you do want to get maybe a little bit more on it, the New York Post article was expanded on it with a little bit more on kind of what we were doing on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, the gang over at Bar Down. And that was good from Bar Down because last night when Sportsnet tweeted it out, um, they did the article and they embedded our tweet, the promo, the offer to Barry Trotz in it. TSN didn't. And, of course, our interesting history with TSN, that immediately pissed me off. However... 
I didn't get mad online. We waited it out. And then our friends over at Bar Down really stepped it up. I know Jay Onright tweeted it out, tagged Sports Talk WPG. So uh, there's been some great exposure on this one way or the other. But that's not why we did it. We did it to try yes. to help facilitate getting Barry Trotz behind the bench of the Winnipeg Jets. Make no mistake about that. Well, my biggest concern was we're going to put out this fantastic, unbelievable offer, and Barry Trotz wasn't going to hear it. But I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he's received the message somehow. I was like, well, I don't have his number. How are you going to get him the message? And I'm pretty sure, I would hope, if he's turned on the internet or... Someone said in chat they heard it on Kenora Radio that it was the offer was out there. So we'll see. I look, we've done we've done our part. We've done what we can. We I, guess I had said, a couple. I had a couple. I had a text from a friend in Kansas City that just did a screen cap of one of the pictures and it had the picture of the thing going. What the hell are you guys up to? We laughed about that. And um, as I said, uh, it would be interesting to see if there's any discussion about that at Stanley Cup Media Day today, Remus, because they are gathering for the actual final to begin tomorrow in Denver as the Lightning and Avalanche get ready to play for hockey's holy grail. And uh, we will talk about that with Matt Calvert coming up a little later on in the program as well. Wouldn't be surprised if there is some beer talk in Denver today, courtesy of what happened yesterday. Well, Ken Weeb is there. I wonder if he's going to be asking <laughs> Any anyone about it? Uh, we'll be talking with him tomorrow. But yeah, Cup final again. We just mentioned this the other day. Two excellent teams, powerhouse Colorado, who is favored against the defending two-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, I gotta be honest. It's kind of cool seeing Joe Sackick up there at the podium with Jared Bednar. You know, I was kind of dumping on Sackick at the beginning of his tenure, but he's really built this team into uh, not only a contender but a team that can you know be here for a number of years. And when I got, you know, I, I loved when they asked Joe Sackick about touching the Campbell bowl. I mean, he's such a legend with team Canada and avalanche teams in the, you know, nineties and early two thousands. So uh, I'm really torn on, on who to, who to cheer for here, but I'm just hoping we see a great series. It goes a number of games. I think we can all agree that the goaltending would be tilted in Tampa Bay's favor, but I think Colorado is a pretty damn good team as well. So I think this is going to be, this is one of the more anticipated series I can, I can recall in a while. Okay. We've got a, a, a chat message here from our, our boy, Turd Ferguson. Can confirm Trotz has seen it. I know one fellow who sent it to him via text. <laughs> now, the funny thing is, and we may at, at a certain point, hopefully if things go well, we may actually have to inadvertently apologize to Barry for the way that this was put out because we did have to do it in somewhat of a public nature. And I wouldn't be surprised if Turd is exactly correct that one of his buddies sent it to Barry Trotz and he's probably had it sent to him about a million different times from anybody with a connection to the Jets, Dauphin, Manitoba, the province or whatnot, because it's pretty steep. Part of the reason why I think this blew up the way that it did and the reaction has been so good. And this goes back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the show, Remus, is how excited this entire province has been basically since the day Lou Lamorello fired up that pink slip to Barry Trotz that there might be a possibility that he could come and coach the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and we've seen a major uptick in our, you know, in those days in live viewers and just the last month. So uh, I think there is a lot of excitement here. And you think that this he could be the guy who turn around who turns around the Winnipeg Jets. 
Well, keep those uh, comments coming. You can keep the conversation going in the chat as well. Um, we're going to have some fun with this a little later on. Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press is going to join us. We'll certainly get back to the Winnipeg Jets story. And we will talk more about the Cup Final in a few minutes with Matt Calvert. And as I mentioned, Mo Khan. Oh, and by the way, stick around. End of the program. You'll have another chance to get your selection in for a race of the night. Um Remo had the winner last night. Uh, what what was it, Remo? Uh, something about mom. Cheers, to, cheers to mom. And I cheers did, to mom. And I did cheers with my cup into the camera. I tweeted it at you, and that was the yes, winner. Yes, you did. Because I went into the thing. I was about five minutes late. I'm like, oh, who won that race? And I'm watching on the ASD YouTube channel, and there's Remus doing a touchdown dance in the comments after. Right. Mom, cheers to mom, won the uh, won the race. So anyway, stick around. We're going to do a fun night. We're going to pick five winners over the course of uh, well these next two weeks. Um, the more you play, the more days you watch, the better chance you have to win. We'll bring uh, five winners out with the guests to join us for the world's famous prime rib buffet and a fun night out of the races at Assiniboia Downs. Coming up, though, we're going to talk some CFL. Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation is Coming up next, I uh, do want to thank our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I may have even had to talk to Pitt and lean to Pitt for maybe another little bonus for Barry Trotz. I'm sure Barry would love to get out there, as anyone would. You don't have a lot of time during the summer to get away from work. Why not do it in a world-class five-star fashion at a place like Aikens Lake, where you can be on the lake in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg in a secluded fly-in environment run by some of the best people I've ever met. Not to mention pulling out monsters day after day. Saw a dude hit the Century Club yesterday. Cannot wait to get out there later on this year. Find out more at AkinsLake.com, on Twitter at AkinsLake, about putting together a family and friends trip or maybe a corporate outing some point with some limited available this year availability this year, but certainly for next season. A big thanks to Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, serving residential and commercial customers in the peg for over 75 years. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a buzz. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. They've got the right fence for you. And if you need a new garage door, they also have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700. Give them a shout. One of their experts will come and arrange a time to give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com online or popped into their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. And hey, a big shout out to our friends at Culligan Water. They've been with us for uh, really since close to the beginning of Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, a local family-owned business for over 65 years with the uh, best water services in the city and province. Uh, they've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, the office, Culligan's got you covered. They're at 1200 Sargent Avenue. Online, drinkculligan.com. All right, week one in the books. Bombers won a nail biter in a pretty thrilling fashion. And uh, we're going to see the Argos for the first time coming up on Thursday. Let's talk a little CFL with our guy Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation. JD, what's going on? How are you? Doing well, buddy. What about you, Hustler? Well, I, I'm doing well. I, as I, we've been talking for the first 20 minutes of the show. Our uh, free beer for life for Barry Trotz offers blown up quite well. We've sort of gotten into this uh, more of the coaching search for the Winnipeg Jets that you know has been dominating many of the conversations on this show for a number of weeks. 
Uh, but one of the great things was that we finally got the Canadian Football League back. So much excitement about the game on Friday night here, raising another Grey Cup banner in Winnipeg and seeing this new team. And I mean, overall, week one, I think, was uh, very interesting in a number of levels. We didn't quite have the close games on Saturday that we had Thursday and Friday, uh, but a lot to unpack. Well, let's start right back at the uh, opening game of the uh, season, the uh, Montreal-Calgary game on Thursday night, 30-27. Um, you know, it was it was Jake Mayer, kind of a th- similar theme to what we'll be talking about with the Winnipeg game, uh, a backup coming in and somewhat saving the day. What did you make of that game, and what were your thoughts on the Stamps and Alouettes right out of the gate? To me, it was an entertaining game right off the jump, 30-27. You get so a one-score game that went down to the end, exactly. And you have Jake Mayer come off the bench for Bolivar by Mitchell, who leaves, was seen in a walking boot, but he's going to try to play this week in the hammer but overall for me the biggest storyline is that quarterback situation in calgary jake mayer outplayed Bolivar mitchell last season in the preseason and some would argue in game one although it was limited action for mayer and the intriguing part to me is how do you handle this if you're the calgary stampeders and they probably do it honestly that's what dave dickinson is known for i would imagine he's going to have multiple conversations with mitchell and see how he's feeling but if Merrick continues to play well, even in limited duty, it's hard to think that they could leave him off the field, especially if Mitchell continues to struggle. He did not look good in the preseason, quite honestly. He was okay in that regular season game, kept them in it, but he needs to be much better to get even close to that level that we're used to from the two-time MLP. Uh, and I got to say, I mean, speaking of the quarterbacks, we heard Dickinson afterwards. I mean, I don't know whether you felt the same way watching the post-game interview, but it seemed very clear that he had a ton of confidence in Jake Mayer. And listen, Bo Levi's been Bo Levi for a long time. I think he got the nod out of respect. He's the starting quarterback. I wouldn't at all be surprised if at some point this season, with both guys healthy, we start seeing more of Mayer than we do of BLM. Definitely. At this point, I don't think we're ever going to see the Mitchell of old that people think is going to reemerge. He had his shoulder essentially ripped apart in 2019 and really he's never been the same, plus the broken leg last year. And that just hurts you as a quarterback in so many ways, but specifically the shoulder. He just doesn't have the zip on the football. And I've talked to some people around the league who evaluated the coach's film of Mitchell from to be quite honest, the opening week and even last season in the preseason, they feel like his accuracy is not where it was as well. So it makes sense that Dickinson has this confidence in Mayer. That's why they re-signed him. He's no doubt the quarterback of the future for the Stamps, but very quickly here, he could be the quarterback of now for Calgary. Uh, what about Montreal? Tough injury to stand back. Um, he's such a big part of their offense. He's out for a considerable period of time having surgery. They hope he might be able to be back later on. They added uh, what traded a sixth rounder for a, a guy from Edmonton to come in. Um, but where's Montreal going into the Argos home opener on Thursday, considering the loss and the players they lost on Thursday? That's a massive hole to fill. And Walter Fletcher was a man they traded for from Edmonton to try to help fill the void left by Standback. Now, Jeshron Antwi, University of Calgary graduate, looked good coming into the game for Standback, but it was clear that general manager Danny Machocha felt like he needed additional reinforcements at the position. So when you have one guy go out, you at least need another guy on the roster. So that's part of the reason that Fletcher comes in there. I think Antwi can take this job 
and be productive, but it's not going to be to the level of Stanbeck. That guy is a legit MOP caliber running back. He really flies under the radar in my mind because there's so much attention or there has been over recent years in Montreal on Vernon Adams Jr., but it's Stanbeck that has powered that offense that has allowed Adams Jr. and then his passes to go to guys like Geno Lewis and really burst onto the scene. So this Stanbeck injury is a major setback for Montreal. It will change the complexion of the offense, and they're going to have to game plan much differently to try to beat the Argos this week and opponents going forward. Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation talking CFL on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Friday night was um, banner raising here in Winnipeg. Glorious night and a real fun game that, you know, I don't think went the way a lot of people thought, but we'll talk about the Bombers in a second. I'm interested in what you thought of the Ottawa Red Blacks, who look nothing like the team was there last year, with the exception of some self-inflicted mistakes that probably ended up costing them the game. Um, uh, what was the good and the bad of Ottawa and Paul Apolice's squad that, you know, honestly has uh, almost no resemblance to the club that went three and eleven last year? Ooh, it doesn't at all. We'll start with the bad, and obviously Jalen Acklin had a touchdown drop. They messed up the clock situation at the end of the first half. How there does that, that happen? Even if it's in week one, I mean, that that's a tough look. Yeah. You got to be all over that. And it ultimately cost them points and it could have been the difference in the ball game. The good though, is that they didn't go in there and get blown out. And Jeremiah Masoli looked to be so comfortable in that Paul Apolis offense that is new for him. And he has a bunch of new receivers. Yes. He's familiar with Acklin. But all the rest of the guys on that roster, he never played with before. He's never thrown the ball to before in a live regular season game. And we all know how the speed gets amped up in the regular season compared to the preseason and even practice. So those are certainly the positives for Ottawa. The defense as well looked solid in terms of holding down Zach Caleros and the Blue Bombers offense. So the Red Blacks are going into this game now at home in the rematch of the back-to-back thinking – that they can win. Huss, I know you're a betting man. The line's been in and out some places. It kind of started at seven and a half. I think it was down to six in some spots. But if you're getting any points with the Red Blacks, you've got to take them at home, considering the performance that they had. Yes, Winnipeg, Winnipeg will play better, but the Red Blacks look great to start the season. We we always, uh, you know, when Dustin Nielsen and I do our picks, we always kind of try to handicap the games before we see the lines and then compare them to what comes out. And I'm not sure whether a lot of people just didn't see the game on Friday or haven't been paying attention to the turnaround in Ottawa's roster. I guess I sort of got that the Bombers had been two-time champs and they were going to lay a big number in week one and it was nine and a half. Although in the 24 hours leading to the game, that dropped significantly all the way down to six and a half. And it didn't matter. Anyone that was on the Red Blacks points got, got, uh, got the W and cashed their ticket. I thought this game would be like Winnipeg minus two. Winnipeg maybe minus two and a half and really more just on the pedigree of a championship team. Um, I was stunned to see it in a near round of touchdown. And to be honest, by the time they kick off, I'd be surprised if this doesn't come down more. Maybe it ends up at four and a half or something like that. But I do think there's value on Ottawa. And maybe for the first month of the season, it'll take a little while for people to catch up to the fact that this is not the same Ottawa club. That being said, the Bombers didn't look like the same club at times. Now, Listen, they were missing some key players. You know, Josh and Jeffcoat not in. I think that certainly hampered their ability to stop the run and maybe get to Jeremiah Masoli. Uh, but there were some growing pains. I mean, the Bomber offense was pretty stagnant through the second and third quarter. 
And then, JD, I was in the stands, the groans from Bomber fans when the spotter had to take out Zach Kolaris and probably what was the right thing to do at that moment. But with a minute and a half in the game on the line, a lot of people thought that all was lost. And Drew Brown ends up being the hero for Winnipeg. That was not something anybody had on the bingo card going into Friday night. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming from Brown, but full credit to him for coming in that difficult situation. All the expectations after they unveiled the banner that the Bombers would win and probably do it easily, but they had to scratch and claw to get it done. And Brown comes up clutch in that situation. To me, the Bombers offense just looks so much different, obviously, without Andrew Harris. But I think maybe what might be a bigger factor here, at least early in the season, is Kenny Lawler. That was a vertical threat guy who could do so many things in that passing game and open up other players. Yes, they brought in Greg Ellingson, but he works generally better out of the slot, uses that waggle to his benefit. But they don't have a guy like Lawler that can be moved all around, that can line up at wide out, that can burn you deep to draw that, you know, potentially double coverage or at least the extra attention from the safety to open up other players and allow them to have one-on-one -on -one situations. So to me, that was the biggest difference in the passing game. And, Obviously, Harris is a more physical runner than Brady Oliveira or even Johnny Augustine. That's not to say that neither of those guys can develop that aspect to their game, but mm -hmm. Harris is in his 30s. He's beefed up his body over the years and matured, so he's just not where Oliveira and Augustine are in terms of their maturity development and their body overall. They haven't hit their peaks yet is what I'm trying to say. So I think that's why that Bombers offense looks stagnant. Um Hamilton Saskatchewan was an absolute snoozer through the first half of the game. Uh, and then Saskatchewan seemed to wake up and the Ticats didn't. How disappointing was that for, you know, Dane Evans in the offense, considering what they saw Jeremiah Masoli do on Friday night to come out the way they did against the Riders? It's got to be really disappointing. They decided to go with Dane Evans in the offseason. And, of course, Jeremiah Masoli then goes down to the nation's capital in Ottawa and looks great against the defending champs in Winnipeg. And Dane Evans goes in against a pretty solid D that Saskatchewan has as well. I think Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, at least on paper, are the top two defenses in the league. I'll let the fans decide who's the actual top one. But Evans turns the ball over and gets beat up a little bit by that defense and didn't really look crisp overall. Now, he always owns these type of games. But that was my number one question about the Tiger Cats coming into the season. You felt like the defense was going to be really good. They were holding him in the game. Brett Lauder had five field goals for the Riders. He outscored Hamilton all on his own, 16-13, because there was a single in there. But you felt like that should have been enough time for the Ticats to get it going on offense. That didn't happen. And Dane Evans was my number one question in terms of how he would handle the situation of being the dude, number one quarterback for the first time unquestioned in his career in the CFL without having that comfort in the Ticats too, of Masoli being able to come in off the bench if they needed. So a much different situation for the Tiger Cats, and they're going to have to get it figured out quickly. Speaking of being the dude, um, Nathan Rourke looked all about being the dude. Um, I, this is such a great story for the Canadian Football League. And before we even talk about the game, um, you know, we spent some time yesterday getting into this, but the job that the new owner and the staff of the British Columbia Lions did on setting up a real event around their home opener with the One Republic concert and the street party outside before was so great to see because we need these bigger markets to step up and really become prime CFL markets, not ones that are dragging the rest of the down, and it seemed to start that way. And then a storybook game 
putting up 59, humiliating the Edmonton Elks um, in pretty impressive fashion without touchdowns from Burnham or even Lucky Whitehead. A dream start for the Lions, but my God, what a nightmare in Edmonton. It was really impressive for the Lions and Chris Jones. You could see him on the sideline. The Elks head coach was not too happy. He had already talked about getting shellacked in the preseason hustler, and then they get beat worse in week one. So they got to go back to the drawing board. And I think part of their issue was that the defense that he's got there, the guys he's decided on, I mean, are really young and inexperienced. And Nathan Rourke, the Canadian quarterback, making, we should note, just his third CFL start and really his second true start because in week one last season it was an emergency start when Michael Riley couldn't go but he looked comfortable against that Chris Jones defense and that's not usual for young quarterbacks usually Jones disguises things and really hides things and confuses young quarterbacks but Rourke was slinging it set a single game completion record for a Canadian quarterback completed I believe it was over 89 percent of his passes and oh by the way became the second quarterback ever, Canadian, obviously, in league history to have five total touchdowns in a game joining Russ Jackson. So an epic performance from Rourke to start the year. Yeah, and, you know, overall a great week for, uh, you know, to get things going for the Canadian Football League. Uh, what's your what's your favorite pick this week? If you had to lay it on one team to win this week, who are you laying? Whew. That's a good question. If we're just going straight up, I like the Argos. I think they have some film of the Alouettes. Montreal doesn't have William Stanback, obviously. Vernon Adams Jr. can be up and down. We've seen those turnover troubles already be an issue in week one for Vernon Adams Jr. So I like the Argos to get off to a good start. JD, what's coming up this week at Three Down Nation? Man, well, we're covering obviously everything, but we're going to have some staple content as the season goes along. So I should just throw that out for the fans. On Monday, we'll have our power rankings. And then Tuesday, we'll have an offensive report by Mr. John Hodge, who does such a great job on the site. Wednesday, we'll have insider talk, also a Hodge staple that's really good. And then on Tuesday as well, actually coming up today, we'll have my ratings report, how TSN did at the box office, let's call it over week one of the regular season. Thursday, we get into the picks and then analysis on the games and the news, the latest, as you know it, Hustler, always at three down. Great stuff, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, and we'll look forward to uh, catching up again real soon. You bet, buddy. There's Justin Dunk, three down nation. Give him a follow on Twitter at jdunk12 and make sure you're hitting up three down for all your latest news or from around the Canadian Football League. All right, we're going to talk some hockey. Matt Calvert joining us before he heads out to Denver in just a minute. I um, do want to thank our friends at Manitoba Battery for Power and Winnipeg Sports Talk 24-7. Hey, you probably need batteries for a number of things this summer. Maybe you're working on that. Uh, maybe you've got a boat. Maybe you're a sidhu, uh, golf cart, hot rod, whatever it is that you may have a battery need for. Manitoba Battery's got you covered. And the best thing about Manitoba Battery, in addition to being a locally owned, family owned company, is the fact that... You're going to save time and save money as opposed to getting your batteries at the big box stores and have the experts to help you out doing it. Pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue or give them a call at 783-8787. They'll get your order ready to pick up quick and easy and you can take advantage of their extended spring hours 
open till eight o'clock Monday to Friday over at Manitoba Battery. And of course, check them out online at manitobabattery.com. Uh, I know the guys at Royal Sports, uh, well, listen, we were fired up about the game, saw Greg there, and I saw a lot of folks in the store on the weekend checking out their great selection of bomber merchandise, including the beautiful new alternate jerseys. They've also got exclusive back-to-back -back championship hats and so much more for Bomber fans. Uh, but that really is just the start. A massive selection of Major League Baseball, NBA, National Hockey League, NFL merch. And for those of you looking to get outside and make the most of spring and summer, an expanded soccer department, softball, baseball, expanded bikes at the back of the store as well, not to mention a growing fitness section as well. Royal Sports really does have it all. They're at 750 Pemina Highway, or check them out on Instagram and follow them for the latest merchandise drops and sales at Royal Sports Pemina. And uh, hey, a big shout out to our friends over at Not Auto Corp. Uh, speaking of the Bombers, great supporters of the Blue and Gold. Uh, but if you're thinking about a new vehicle for the summer, um, start your search down at Not. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Check out the Teslas and all the other cool vehicles on the lot. And if there's a special particular make and model you're looking for, the Not experts will help you identify it, get it here, and get you into it for the best possible price. Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. All right, we'll talk a little more about the uh, Jets offseason, coaching search, Mark Shifley, and more with... Mike McIntyre in a few minutes, but right now let's head out to Brandon and welcome in Matt Calvert on his way to Denver for the Stanley Cup final. Matt, what's up? Thanks for uh, popping back on WST. How are you? Uh, it's great to be back. It, it feels like it's been a while and uh, I'm in Brandon right now and heading down to Denver tomorrow morning with my wife. So we're, we're pretty excited to get, get there for games one and two of the cup finals. Well, the funny thing is it hasn't actually been a while, but it probably seems that way because of how many other interviews you've done since you were last on with us. Now, when you were here, you mentioned that, you know, moving forward, you had a great time coaching this year, but you're moving into the business side of hockey with uh, the new project, Cal Sports Management with Joe Caligiuri. Uh, it, since we have spoken, you guys have officially launched it and it sounds like the response has been great. Uh, how have the last couple of weeks been for you on the business side of things? It's been busy. Uh, Joe and myself have been meeting with uh, potential clients, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of younger kids and just trying to get a beat on on the upcoming prospects, the 2007s, 2008s and, and even older than that. So uh, as well as media, you know, kind of started with you guys and uh, and then it seems like every outlet's wanted to reach out to us and find out our story. And at a time where they're probably starving for content as the, the finals are on with only two teams left and them being pretty close off to the media at times. Um, it's been awesome uh, just to get our name out there and, and been a lot of fun so far. Well, listen, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people, uh, especially here in Manitoba, that uh, might want to reach out. How can people find out more uh, about the, the project or be in touch with you guys on what you guys are doing? Yeah, um, we, we have a website, kelsportsmanagement.com, uh, as well as a Twitter, Instagram handle. We're on all social media. Um, and yeah, and you'll find Joe's number and, and my number on there as well. And via email, phone, text, call, whatever it may be, uh, you can reach out and, um, yeah, and we can give you more information on what exactly we would do for, uh, the families and, and the, the potential prospects coming up. So Cal sports management is the new project for, uh, for Matt Calvert and Joe Caligiuri. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to step away from work for a few days, getting down to the cup final. Uh, I imagine you're pretty excited seeing, uh, your former teammates do what they've done so far. Now four wins away from bringing that cup back to Denver. 
I'm really excited. Uh, tell you the truth, I, I don't think I'd ever, I was at one NHL game in my life uh, as a fan. So this will be uh, a first for me where I don't have an attachment to a team. And, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a bunch of alumni down there. And obviously being an agent, you, you get a, you get the opportunity to change, cheer for uh, various teams and players. And, and this week uh, I'm going to be an Avs fan and uh, cheer on my, some of my best buddies on the team and hopefully uh Hopefully see them get a great start for the series. Yeah, I guess you're going to be transitioning from player to agent life. Is it going to be like champagne and caviar up in a private suite? Uh, you know, uh, work in the press box with all the, the media there? I mean, have you thought at all about how you're going to be handling the actual games? Because, I mean, in reality, for someone that started a new project, having recently retired, it'll probably be one of the best networking opportunities you've ever had. Yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll get to see a lot of faces and then just kind of tell them what, uh, what I got planned next. But my main my main focus there is to cheer on the avalanche and uh and just have a great time and and hopefully see some former teammates i, I want to stay away from the group because i i know how uh how distracting it can be even if you have family in town but uh, I'll, I'll send them a quick text before and let them know I'll, I'll be having some beers in the stands and uh, maybe bring sneak an air horn into the old ball arena there and, and help them out <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what, the atmosphere there throughout the playoffs has seemed, I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we'll talk about the final in a second, but I mean, what were your takeaways from the way the Avalanche handled the Edmonton Oilers in the third round? Um, I, I love the matchup. Um, obviously, Edmonton's a team that, you know, has kind of been on a roller coaster ride the last few years and with, with a ton of talents. And you saw they added some depth last summer and, and paid dividends for them. But you know, the Avs have been to the second round in the last three years and, and have had that playoff experience and have gone through that battle and, and figure out what it takes. And to do it with, you know, losing Nas Kadri and, and Francis coming in nets, who I think is a terrific goalie, um, you know, it's uh, it, it just makes them tougher. And you battle through adversity to get there. And now you've got the, the defending back-to-back defending cup champs. And um, that's what you want as a player. You you want to beat the best to, to be the best. And, and it, there's going to be a it's going to be a big task at hand for the Avs. There's a lot of people, I think, that hadn't had a chance to really watch Kale McCarr consistently night after night until these Stanley Cup playoffs. And I mean, we all remember him debuting in the playoffs a couple years ago when he came out of college. Um, but what he's doing right now is, I mean, really honestly pushing the limits of what we've seen defensemen do with this level of skill. Um, I just love your perspective on what a special and unique player he is offensively, but also the way that Jared Bednar assigned him to use his speed to do everything that he could to limit opportunities for Connor McDavid, which worked out quite well for the avalanche. Yeah. I, if you skate like that and you're that offensive and there's no excuse that you can't play defense Um, to me, defense guys are good at it. Some guys aren't, but the biggest part of it is a commitment and the amount of minutes he plays and how much he plays in the offensive zone to, to have, uh, I guess, to be in that good of shape, defend at the same time, use your edges, use your skating ability, and you're playing against the best in the world. And the beauty of it is you, you had three of the best players in the world in that series, McDavid, McKinnon, and well, I guess Drysdale, you could even add in there too. I don't, I don't think Ranson's far off that group and, and McCarr. And, and then, you know, you hear Wayne Gretzky making the comment, uh, number eight was the best player on the ice every night. And, and, that's that's over two of the you know arguably the best players in the world. So uh, it's it's a big stage for him, and and I, I think a lot of eyes are on him. And you know in Colorado they get they get quite a few nationally televised games, but at the same time it is it is a hidden market at times. And 
Um, and I think it, he's opening a lot of the, the Canadian media's eyes. Um, you know, you guys are so hyper-focused on local teams and, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. I couldn't turn on Sports Center once this year without hearing about <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, it's sounds great. like a good he, Manitoban. You're back. <laughs> he he's getting uh, he's getting what he deserves, and uh, I mean, what a special player! And he's 23 years old. That's the beauty of it for fans. Well, and one of the most interesting conversations that I think has sort of been percolating throughout these playoffs is, I mean, never mind the Norris Trophy. I mean, might we see Kale McCarr win the Hart Trophy? I mean, he could he be in the conversation for the best player in the league? Maybe not right here today, but in the years to come, it certainly seems like he has a package for it. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, you like the kids over a point a game in a regular season and playoffs. Like, it's I know the game's changing, but uh, it's just unheard of what he, he's able to do. And and then also keep the puck over the net at the same time and 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 you know, be a reliable D man that, that he is. So, um, he, he's I don't even think he's reached a ceiling. He, he just scratching the surface of uh, of what he can do as a, as a two way player. And uh, I, I'm excited to see, see where his career goes here. Hey, you know, I just wanted to ask you on something you just mentioned about defense, that it's something that, you know, it's not necessarily a skill. It's maybe more a will. Have you ever seen players over the course of your career that were mediocre defensive players for whatever reason turn into reliable defensive stalwarts? And 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 if so, what was it and how did they get there? I think the big thing is, is, is when you see a, a team buy in and in playoffs, you see those guys that, the coach might have not been too happy with all season that popped up on video, you know, with defensive errors, you know, time after time. Um, it's when you see that team buy in and, and everyone's checking the same way. Everyone's being predictable on the same page. And, and that, that's how you win in this league. And uh, it, it's, can your skill guys, you know, you know, work, work ethic can beat skill, but when skill wants to work, it, it's tough to beat. And, and that's something the avalanche do and, and they have loads of skill and, um, and they play such a such a tight system. Uh, to me, it's the, the best part about their game is their forecheck to their tracking, and and they just they swallow teams up. And being on the other side of that, I, I played against those good hockey teams, and it is it is impossible to play. You have zero time. Uh, you think you have time with the puck in the neutral zone, and you got back pressure. You got the D man with a good gap. So um, it's uh, it's the way to play hockey and and to stay structured. Well, it's almost a good question and a segue to uh, the opponents because um, Ric Flair, I was used to say, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And the man right now, after two years running, is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is a team, Matt, that almost describes exactly what you just said. A bunch of, you know, very talented skill players. But you want to talk about buying into a system. We've heard what John Cooper's had to say. The pride that he has in the way that his team is playing. And, I mean, a very worthy Eastern Conference champions. And, man, they're going to be a tough out, even for a team as talented as the Avs. Wasn't uh, Ric Flair in the stands at one of the last Tampa games? <laughs> I think so. He's always Maybe. sticking around, looking for some, uh, looking for a little bit of shine, trying to woo it up for the for the crowd. Maybe he gave him that pregame speech. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Obviously, extremely structured. I know even before they were in these cup runs, I always disliked playing them. Their their commitment to defending in the in the in the d zone um I, I talked to my my good buddy who was my line mate last two years and it's gonna be an interesting series for him pierre edward bellamar um obviously in colorado and signs as a free agent in tampa now playing his former team that he was trying to get over the hump uh, with the last two seasons but um the, the one thing he said to me with tampa was predictability and, and every everyone being on the same stage same same everyone thinking the same and and knowing where to go on the ice and uh and he said that's that's why they have success and 
And then the other part of it was accountability. Anyone from Stamkos down to, you know, the fourth line center belly, um, you know, John Cooper held, held them with the same accountability and obviously let the, the top dogs be a little more creative, but they all, they all played with the, you know, with the same pace and, and the same thing in mind. And, and that's why they have success. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm stunned that the, the betting line for this series is as lopsided as it is. I mean, Colorado is a pretty significant favorite and, Listen, I understand the season that they've had so far, but it just seems there's so many intangibles with a team like Tampa where you know they're going to be there at the end will be difficult to win. But to me, the one thing that sort of evens it up, even if you really believe that the talent is superior on the Colorado side of things, is the net minding. And, you know, with all due respect to Francois and Darcy Kemper, you could have almost anybody in net, and they're probably playing second fiddle to Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, but when you look at the avalanche and watch what Tampa's been able to do, especially in big games where they clamp it down, what is the key for the avalanche to do what they've but have made them so successful against a team like Tampa and being able to get it past big 88 in the net? Yeah, Vasilevsky, uh, I mean, you look at his numbers in those serious crunching games, it's it's unbelievable. And the team game in front of him helps, but my God, this guy, this guy's given Tampa a chance, even against Toronto when, you know, we thought Toronto might win the series, but... I talked to uh, Joe Kellagery, who's a former goalie, and then Tyler Plantz, who, who's been doing a lot of goaltending, goaltending coaching around uh, around Brandon, and was the Wheat Kings goaltending coach, and they are just in awe of Vasilevsky, and and they don't talk that highly about any goalie, and I know nothing about goaltending. I just I know whether he stops the puck or he doesn't. But uh, as far as the Avalanche, uh, Frankie Frankie's underrated. Uh, Fra- that's Francis. We call him Frankie, and uh, he's I think he's six and zero in the playoffs. Um, you know, you're playing an Edmonton team where where they kind of suck you into opening up your your game offensively and, and give up more chances defensively. So uh, obviously the hope is, is probably for Kemper to be back. And I, I can speak on Darcy Kemper when we played them in the bubble series uh, when he was with Arizona. I think we could have won every game 6 or 7-1 if it wasn't for Darcy Kemper. So he has that ability to be a game game breaker. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if they've announced who the starter is for game one yet. Uh, but regardless, I, I think they'll be ready and, and they'll defend harder in front of them. And, and they just, they got to get traffic to Vasilevsky. I mean, I mean, that's the biggest thing. He's a big body. He'll still see over it. But uh, you got a guy like that. You just got to keep keep peppering away and, and, and cannot get frustrated, even if he has a, a shutout game one against them. Former Av, Matt Calvert with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for Wednesday night's game one of the Stanley Cup final from Ball Arena in Denver between the Avalanche and the two-time defending cup ta- champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Matt, you know, we'll focus in on the stars as we always do. We know that, you know, to win a Stanley Cup, I mean, it takes everybody. When you look at the Avalanche, is there a player or two, an unheralded player, a player that many people don't mention that you think could be specifically uh, impactful going up against Tampa with everything on the line? Well, first off, I think, you know, I guess this is talking a little bit about the stars. Is, is Colorado's second line, um, can, they, can they match, can they, you know, be a plus plus players against Tampa's second line. That that's the the first big question for me. Obviously, on the back end, they're missing Gerard, so they're they're going to have to have some guys like Jack Johnson and Eric Johnson, whoever it is, step up. Um, but can the bottom six win that battle too? Because Tam- Tampa's deep all over. There there really isn't a hole in their lineup. They have the experience. They've won twice twice before, and um, you know, can the bottom six do it? And you've seen guys like JT Comfer, Cogliano, Darren Helm with a huge goal. That Obe Cabell um o'connor you know just chipping in at, you know in timely places and and that's going to be the question can can they match their bottom six and 
And, you know, I, I know, uh, I know Belly's going to bring it every night in the fourth line for Tampa. And I, you know, he, I'm not sure who he's playing with exactly now, whether it's Perry and Maroon or how it shakes out in the end, but um, you, you got veteran guys. So we'll, we'll see if the bottom six of Colorado can get it done. Um, I love the pieces they add. I, I miss Lekkanen too. He, he's been a game breaker for them as well. So um, it's going to be a fun series. And uh, you know, you mentioned where the sports betters are at, um, you know, to, to me, Tampa's favored and, and Colorado might be the hot team now. And, and they got to get over that hurdle first and, and show that they can be champions. Uh, you know, coaching, I know you, you dipped your toes in the water from uh, from a coaching perspective this year, but you've been a player all your life. John Cooper's pressed all the right buttons for three years. I and mean, what do you make of the challenge for Jared Bender to, uh, you know, to test himself and his club against uh, a team that's on the verge of basically a salary cap era dynasty? Yeah, it's uh, I, John Cooper obviously has experienced the big moments. Uh, you see how Tampa's handled themselves in elimination games or whatever it is. So they're, they're going to be a real tough team to get four wins against. And for a guy like Betsy, you know, he's he's had quite a bit of experience the last three years, but not the Stanley Cup final. So for me, I, I think just treat it the exact same way he has every other series. You, you take it game by game, shift by shift. Momentum's such a big thing in playoffs. And 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 to you know they got such great leaders in that room for a guy like Bedsy, he's just he's just got to sort it out keep them structured and and i, I really believe those guys want to win so bad and and i i really think they'll find a way uh the other uh, interesting story about this is just from a spectating standpoint you're going to be part of it is the atmosphere i i imagine that you're looking forward to uh, absolute bedlam in that arena i mean it seems to be growing throughout the playoffs and they've got a great crowd throughout the regular season um, this is going to be a special, special environment for you to watch some games at, even if you're not on the bench playing in it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I just, I can't wait to feel the energy. I know, I know last year, uh, post back surgery, uh, I was sitting in the suite with, uh, the rest of the scratches or injured guys and, and the energy against Vegas in that series was, uh, yeah, it was killing me. It was killing me watching. And just because for me, I always, I felt like my game always, uh, always lifted when playoffs came around. And I'm a very emotional guy. And when I would hear the fans backing you with, with the chance and you're getting a big win or score a big goal, um, there to me, there's nothing better in life than, than playing hockey in front of a crowd like that. And you can hear them chanting all the small things. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a cool vibe. And uh, I, I can't wait to even be outside the rink. You know, my wife and I will probably go for dinner before downtown and have some drinks and, and just get the whole uh, whole fan experience for the first time. So it's, it's going to be really fun. Remus mentioned this to me to ask you, what are you going to wear to the game? Will you be rocking a Matt Calvert game-worn abs jersey? Will you grab a jersey from one of the current players? Will you will you try and be a little more anonymous so you're not shaking hands and kissing babies for the entirety of the pregame and intermissions? Well, the uh, the abs got us a suite for the alumni, um, so I thought that was pretty special. So I, I might not have to... You know, kiss babies uh, the whole intermission. But uh, I got a I got a Macar, a Ranson, and a McKinnon jersey, and I'm debating whether I do that. But at the same time, I'm in the agency world right now, you know, so I can't favor one of my one of my guys, even though I don't even represent them. But uh, we'll see. I'm uh, like I said, I'm going to try to be a fan, have fun with it, and uh, maybe throw in one of the boys' jerseys to to represent them. Hey, whoever gets the nod for the jersey in game one, you win. You ride it in game number two. You lose you go to one of the other guys for game number two and change it up. There you go. That's the same as my suits. I, uh, I, I was a superstitious guy when it came to that. So wear the same tie, wear the same shoes, socks, you name it. Doesn't matter how they smell. You just keep riding out that momentum. <laughs>
Matt, listen, thanks so much for doing this. Travel safe out to Denver. Have a phenomenal time, and congratulations to you and Joe on the launch of Cal Sports Management. Uh, we'll look forward to maybe catching up after the Cup Final with your thoughts. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, when you get into on the business side of things, and we need to talk about scouting uh, 12 and 13 year old tournaments and whatnot, and all the things that are going on. You can give us some tips on that. But uh, welcome anytime on this program. We love having you on, and uh, most importantly, have a great time down at the Cup Final. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me and uh, go abs. All right. Great stuff with Matt Calvert. We really appreciate him uh, jumping on with us. And yes, if you do want to follow or find out more on the new company, it's at Cal sports management. Um, all right. Hey, uh, we're going to be talking a little golf and hockey with Mike McIntyre, because of course, Mike, so jealous of him was not only in Germany following Aaron Cockrell on the DP European tour, but was at the RBC Canadian Open on the week. And if you haven't already, make a point of going back to Saturday's Winnipeg Free Press, a great long read on Manitoba's Aaron Cockerell and his very unique path in the world of professional golf. And, of course, check yesterday's show. Aaron joined us on the program. It was just great to have him on. What an impressive young guy he is representing our province on the world golf stage. Of course, all of our golf reports are brought to you courtesy of our friends at Breezy Bend. If you're thinking about making a permanent long-term home for you and your family on the golf course, I don't think there's a better place in the city uh, that you could get than, than Breezy. Find out more online at breezybend.ca. Corey Johnson at the clubhouse, our good friend, the general manager, will tell you all about the junior programs, women programs, uh, You know what they've done to the course over the last couple of years during the pandemic. Uh, and, of course, all information on the club is available online at breezybend.ca. Uh, well, we were just talking off air uh, about everyone stepping up in the aftermath of the uh, video we did yesterday announcing the free beer for life. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, a Nick and Nikki over the Nick and Nikki DQ would be more than happy on supplying blizzards and stack burgers for the Winnipeg Jets new head coach. If it is, of course, Barry Trotz. Um, but you don't need to be the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets to get the great taste of a blizzard, the new Royal Blizzard or the stack burgers that everyone's been talking about. And the place to do that is one of four Nick and Nicky DQ locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, the DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. The Winnipeg locations available on your favorite delivery apps. And if you do need a DQ ice cream cake for an upcoming event, just hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you want. They'll get a custom made for you to be picked up quick and easy at your favorite local Nick and Nicky DQ. Uh, and our friends at Princess Auto, of course, have been great sponsors of ours, the Gold Eyes, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and we'll be looking forward to welcoming Bomber fans back in for the next home game for the pregame Blue Bomber tailgate. Make sure to take that in. It was quite the scene before the home opener last Friday. And of course, Princess Auto also coast-to-coast, -coast, but headquartered right here in Winnipeg, and uh, the place where you'll find the best prices and deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at princess auto uh panet road location portage west location and of course you can shop online 24 7 365 at princessauto.com all right let's welcome mike mcintyre back to the program from his world travels mike welcome home what's going on What's going on right now, Huss, is uh, is a whole lot of laundry. The laundry machine is working overtime here, getting a couple weeks worth of actually. All your Euro threads? Yeah, my Euro threads, exactly. Uh, I was actually on the road for three straight weeks, 20, 20 straight nights between the, uh, the Vegas vacation with my wife, uh, a week in Hamburg, Germany, and then uh, 
the week in Toronto. That got extended. I was going to come home had Aaron Cockrell missed the cut. I didn't book my flight, and it's a good thing I didn't because, of course, uh, he ended up getting to play the weekend, which meant I got to hang out a couple extra days at beautiful St. George's Golf and Country Club just outside Toronto uh, and get be part of what was a, what a pretty spectacular weekend, not just following the Manitoban in his debut, but uh, what a Sunday afternoon down the stretch. You, if you're an organizer of that event and you were kind of looking over the field, I guess other than maybe having Scotty Scheffler in the mix as well, you could not have scripted a better ending to have Rory, Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, you know, real popular guy. Then you had Justin Rose flirting with a 59, uh, a few groups ahead of them. It was, uh, it was a magical day, a magical weekend. And for me personally, uh, pretty magical couple weeks on the road well i mean and i was texting you all weekend i mean i was so bloody jealous of you being at that tournament i mean you know there's lots of hockey games and you get to you know cover some yeah. you in particular have covered some really cool sporting events but that one seemed i mean first of all not having the event for two years because of the pandemic right. the return of it the excitement the crowds the support of it all in the shadow of what was happening with the live golf tour starting that same yeah. week and you're exactly right it was a dream ending I mean, incredible champion. I mean, the group. I mean, my guy, Tony Finau, in the final group shot a 64, and it seemed like he was always kind of out of it. And it just spoke to how good Rory was, except missing a couple putts. But just before we move on to the Jets and some hockey topics, um, Aaron Cockrell, as I mentioned, folks, make sure you check out Mike's piece, the long read in the 49.8 of the U.S. Saturday Winnipeg Free Press. I mean, I've talked to Aaron before and got to know him over the years. I mean, such an impressive young guy, but... Now doing it in a very unique way out on the European tour, coming back. I mean, what a huge weekend for his career right. with uh, the spotlight of being a Canadian, playing in his PGA Tour debut at the RBC Canadian Open and playing the way that he did, finishing the top 50, making the cut. I imagine this is um, you know, a lot to build on for Aaron, both on the course and off the course, which is so important as these guys are independent contractors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Aaron Cockrell is committed to the European tour, as it's known now, the DP World Tour for the rest of this season. And he he doesn't have he doesn't have full status over there because he finished outside the top 120 last year. So what that means is he's not guaranteed to get in every event that he wants to get in this year over in Europe. He's kind of had to often wait till a few days before the tournament even starts to find out if he can get in in the field but what he has done obviously is make the most of his time over there that second place finish in uh in kenya a third in spain he's 43rd i believe right now on the uh, 2022 standing so he looks to be a lock to be in that top 120 when this year ends which would be great for next year Huss, because it means uh he'll be a certainty to get into basically whatever tournament he wants he can kind of map out his schedule but where this past week maybe throws a bit of a, a curveball his way is the potential uh, to maybe get in some additional PGA events now as a sponsor's exemption. He obviously doesn't have his tour card. Uh, he doesn't have his Corn Ferry card either. Uh, but as a guy who's now you know flirting with the top 300 in the world rankings um, and is taking a path as a Canadian golfer that very few have ever taken, and having some real success. I mean, he's made some good money over there this year, over 350,000 Canadian. Um, 
and he's he's built himself some breathing room and he certainly opened some eyes and I, I heard it all around the course last week in Toronto just a lot of you know at the beginning of the week who's this cockerel guy well by Sunday uh, a lot of folks knew exactly who he was and his story is a real compelling one and as I wrote in my my piece I mean this is a guy Haas who was not born into wealth uh, entitlement you know, not to take away from a lot of pro golfers, but let's face it, a lot of these guys on the PGA Tour, they kind of had every opportunity, right, given to them from an early age. Aaron Cockrell, uh, this is a guy whose birth father was tragically killed in a plane crash when he was three months old. His grandfather died as well. He was raised in his early years by a single mom out in Stony Mountain, not exactly a golfing hotbed. And he didn't really even pick up the sticks and start taking the game seriously till his mid-teens. I find it remarkable, Huss. He's never taken a formal lesson. He's completely self-taught, very much self-sufficient, mm-hmm. and again, has taken the long and winding road. And now at the age of 30, he's enjoying the best season of his career. And as you say, I mean, the big selling point for me is just what a great human being he is. And I knew Aaron a little bit before I got into this feature, but having spent two weeks now, you know, we we dined out together, we rode the shuttles together, we were on airplanes together, we walked the courses together. Uh, I saw every shot of of his two tournaments over these last. And, you know, the real treat for me out in Toronto this past week was getting to know his family. Uh, I walked every shot, every every round of his with his wife, Chelsea, uh, his mom, Kathy, and his stepfather, Doug. And a whole bunch of friends who flew out. You may have seen some of the pictures I tweeted. They were wearing T-shirts with Aaron's face on them, which, you know, were a real uh, highlight among other spectators. So it was great to kind of see this moment through their eyes and be able to help tell his story. And for sure, it would seem, you know, only bigger and better things on the horizon for a a real well-deserving guy. Well, and speaking of that and kind of tying into hockey, we also saw him wearing the number 81 of KFC, Kyle Connor, on the 16th hole. And what a cool scene that was, you know, as he mentioned, you know, with us yesterday. First day, maybe didn't get as warm a welcome for the Jets jersey from a bunch of drunken Leaf fans, but by Sunday they were on his side and, um, that that 16th hole, just as far as the tournament goes, and there's Michael, if you're watching with us on YouTube, there's the photo of Aaron walking up the fairway wearing the Kyle Connor jersey. Yeah, uh, It's not quite the 17th at the Waste Management, but or 16th <laughs> at Waste Management, but kind of had that sort of a vibe. And I think that just speaks to the entire success of the tournament and how much fun a guy like Aaron was having, especially in that theater. For sure, and uh, I, I, I can attest to how well lubricated, uh, perhaps overserved <laughs> the fans on that hole were by Sunday afternoon. Uh, it sounded like a hockey game, you know, foot stomping, glass banging, chants and uh, and singing. Um, you know, it was it was a great scene for sure. And I know, you know, just hearing from some of the players, guys like Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, they loved that atmosphere. And, you know, for the RBC Canadian Open, it's a great selling point going forward to get some of these big names to this event. But uh, yeah, real nice showing for for Aaron Cockrell, kind of put himself on the map maybe here in North America, which is a funny thing to say for a guy who's from Manitoba. But again, he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind here for a few years. And I think that's going to change. You know, I had a chance to, to spend some time as well with his new agent, a guy named Jeff Dykeman. 
uh, from the Toronto area. And he's now looking to see, you know, what other opportunities, uh, you know, whether it's endorsement, sponsorships, or even things like sponsors exemptions into other events. Um, and certainly a good showing by Aaron Cockrell this week did nothing to, uh, to hurt his chances. So yeah, it was a, it was a great assignment. I got to tip my cap to, uh, uh, my sports editor, Jason Bell, who pitched this idea a few months ago and a great on the free press. I mean, you know, it's not cheap, obviously, to send me uh, on the road for these couple mm. weeks. And it was a great investment and, uh, uh, you know, real, real nice story to be able to tell. Well, and speaking of investments, I know RBC, the title sponsor, is a little bit of extra change after DJ told them that uh, he was going oh. to the live tour. So maybe there's a little scratch for our boy AC to uh, get into some other events, be part of Team RBC. Mike McIntyre, the free press, is with us. Mike, let's move over to the Jets offseason. Of course, the Stanley Cup final beginning tomorrow. Yeah. Um, did our passionate plea to Barry Trotz with the offer of free beer for life and his own beer, it, will that be the deciding factor that brings Barry home to Manitoba? Well, of course, Barry's a proud Manitoban, so I suspect he does like his beer. Um, you know, maybe you might have to throw some pierogies in as well to entice. We can uh, do that. Pierogi Planet's already been in touch. I mean, we we've got him covered basically. If he if he needs if need be right, so he'll be well watered, well well lubricated, uh, well fed. I'm sure. Um, you know, I get the sense, Huss, uh, that we're getting very close to kind of getting you know one way or the other finding out what Barry Trotz is, is thinking here. Um, you know, I, I found it interesting. I don't know if you saw the tweet from Kevin Weeks the other day that kind of tied the Jets and the Flyers together. And my understanding is, you know, th this may be a scenario where those are the two teams that at least believe they're maybe the front runners for Trotz. And, and what Weeks was implying is that, you know, one of them is probably going to get him. And then the one that doesn't, you know, that may then kind of trigger the musical chairs game that I think we're going to see happen because this coaching carousel, well, it's not really a carousel at all. It's, it's at an absolute standstill right now because I think, you know, given the number of teams, as many as five or six, even that Barry Trotz has, has done interviews and has interest, they're all kind of waiting to see, uh, but some of them probably don't want to wait forever. Right. I mean, the draft is only a few weeks away now teams with you know free agency right after that. Uh, so, you know, I think it was Elliot Friedman reported on the weekend that by mid-week this week or towards the end of the week, we could get some clarity. Now, this is just me thinking out loud here, Haas. I doubt that Trotz and company want to do anything to upstage game one of the Stanley Cup final. So I think we can scratch tomorrow off uh, in terms of potential newsy days. But I do wonder, we get a two-day break before game two on Saturday. Uh, Thursday or Friday, you know, folks might want to stand by because it's possible we get some news uh, before this week is out. And obviously, if you're a Jets fan or the Jets themselves, they're hoping that Barry Trotz uh, and, uh, and little Jug... Uh, come out of this. Uh... Well, exactly. I mean, listen, I mean, maybe this is a wasted time because I think we have successfully closed the deal and I'm expecting yes. nothing but positive news going forward. Uh, but let's just say it doesn't go that way and we weren't able to entice Barry Trotz to do it. Where do you think the Jets go if it's not Trotz? Or, or is that still relatively preliminary? I mean, we've heard a number of guys that have been sort yeah. of mentioned as possibilities, but it's still pretty clear from everything I'm hearing that 
there's still one guy on the list and For then sure. everybody and then everybody else. Well, and it's interesting to hear, you know, now the the rumblings are that perhaps the Jets almost intentionally put out some smoke screens to make it sound like maybe they're it's not as they're not as confident that they might land trots, uh, you know, to throw other teams off. Like that would be quite an interesting, you know, tactic. Uh, but I guess, you know, you're, you're trying to reach a common goal here if you're the Jets and that's get the, the hottest coach on the free agent market. So you'll pull out all the stops, I, I suppose, to try and accomplish that. Um, You know, I, I do think a guy like Bruce Cassidy would absolutely be a great, you know, backup plan i just don't know if bruce cassidy uh would have winnipeg necessarily certainly not the way barry trotz might uh on his radar and and i suspect bruce cassidy's going to have no shortage of other suitors as well so i think we kind of come back to the jim montgomery uh you know angle potentially as as the fallback um but we know there's been a number of of other names you know looked at from pascal vincent um, you know, obviously Scott Arneal has has been talked to and we're kind of waiting to see where he maybe fits into all this. I will say this about, you know, I know there's reports out there that Arneal is sort of a done deal, at least to come in as maybe an associate. I, I guess where I, you know, wonder a little bit about that, Huss, is it, it would be a really strange phenomenon to to hire one new member of a coaching staff before you even know who your head coaches I mean normally that's something you'd work very closely with the head coach on and often leave it up to him to build out his staff so I guess time will tell as to how that exactly plays out but my personal gut feeling is still this I think the Jets still have an excellent chance of landing Barry Trotz I think you know Barry Trotz has obviously taken his time to survey the landscape and I gotta think and this has nothing to do with the fact he's from here just purely from a, a where are they right now and, you know, what could the next couple of years potentially look like? If you're Barry Trotz and you're not interested in a four or five year project to take on, I think you look at Winnipeg and say, that's a pretty good fit for me to step in right now and perhaps with a few, you know, tweaks and, and changes here and there and a bit different approach and mindset we could do something real special so you know i think for instance if it's down to winnipeg and philadelphia if those are the two teams is philadelphia an instant contender because they have barry trotsby on the bench no they, they would need to do a lot of other things to get that roster even remotely close and and look at you know they're they're playing in the east the east is as we've seen it's a lot tougher to get out of the East than it is the West right now. That's just the, you know, that's where the balance of power seems to really be. So, you know, again, if Barry Trotz is making a decision here with maybe the next few years in mind, forget about the hometown roots. I just think Winnipeg is probably the best fit period from a coaching perspective. Um, Mike, uh, our buddy Frank Cervelli poured a little bit of gas on the uh, Mark Shifley conversation a couple days ago. We played that yesterday on the program, talking about a really rare reputation of being a complainer and uh, constantly yeah. miserable. I mean, listen, I'm be honest. I mean, none of that was really breaking news. I think to uh, to most of us that've been around the club or um, you know have seen, but. Um, it does sort of bring that conversation up. And I know we've talked about this before, but um, where are you at on Mark Shifley's 
future with the Winnipeg Jets? And, and how much do you think it has to do, if at all, with who the next coach of the Winnipeg Jets is? I mean, is that the first domino and then those decisions will be made, do you think? Yeah, for sure. I think that's the first domino because I think if you're the Jets, one of the first things you then want to do once you get your your coach in place, whether it's Trotz or whoever, is probably, you know, you, you, obviously you sit down with them and map out the game plan. But I'm sure you also want a guy like Mark Shifley to very quickly have a conversation with the new bench boss as well and kind of get a feel for how how warm or how chilly the water is. Um, you know, as you dip your toe in and if the water remains ice cold, I think uh, it's pretty obvious what you have to do. I, I'm still very much leaning towards the idea that Mark Shifley has played his last game with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but I, I, I certainly, you know, put the caveat on that, that a guy like a Barry Trotz, a big name that would send a message, not just to the fan base and you know, the community, but also a Mark Shifley that, wow, these guys are serious, that they're going to take a big run. They're going to, they're going to pay, you know, for a, a top end coach. Um, does that give him pause for thought? Does that maybe allow him to shelve some of his dissatisfaction? And look, we've seen, you know, in the NHL, in all sports leagues, there's all kinds of examples of dissatisfied players who have, you know, let's let's talk Jake DeBrusque, for example. He, he flat out asked for a trade, right? And by the end of the year, he was a really good contributing member of that Bruins team. Um, you know, now maybe he still wants out. And Kathy, signed an extension. And signed an extension, exactly. But which, apparently still wants to be traded. Right. I mean, that may, in his mind, maybe he thought that would help uh, usher a trade. But in any event, I mean, guys, guys can play through a lot of things. We know they can play through injuries. Guys also can play through unhappiness. Now, could Barry Trotz unlock something in Mark Shifley that's maybe been suppressed for a few years? You know, go back to that that guy that that we know is there. We all saw him in 2018. Who can forget that performance against Nashville in round two? That was that was a player living his best life, loving life, and looking like, you know, a true dominant superstar. So, you know, we're, we're, we're only a few years removed from that. So I think that is the wild card for sure. I just think, um, to me, it still feels like that bridge has mostly been burned and the, the best plan of action would be to move on. But again, you're not giving Mark Shifley away. And depending on what the market bears, you know, if, if if you do test those waters and it's a pretty chilly reception from potential trade partners and, you know, you're going to get pennies on the dollar, again, you don't have to trade Mark Shifley this year. He's not a UFA next season. So maybe you run it back and see where you stand either at the trade deadline or next summer, keeping in mind you've potentially lost some additional value that you'd have by moving a guy who has two years left, not one. Uh, but I, I do think it's very much tied in a lot of ways to the coach. And that's why, you know, if you're the Jets, you'd like to get that sorted out sooner than later so you can start now dealing with the many other items on your to-do list. And, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, there's another one, right? That That's a situation that's going to have to get dealt with here soon too. Let me ask you this, Mike. Um, Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley have essentially been attached to the hip for the majority of the last five, six years through the ups and now the downs of this team. 
Um, how different of a situation is Blake Wheeler in right now, in your opinion, as opposed to where Mark is? Yeah, I, I think, you know, to me, and I, I think I said this, something along those lines, you know, when we talked towards the end of the season, Huss, I think Blake Wheeler kind of rediscovered in a way, you know, his his excitement, his passion. I think we saw a more relaxed, which is funny to say because the Jets were out of the playoffs and you'd think if anything, he would have been kind of more difficult to deal with. But I, I, I think we saw some positive signs out of Blake Wheeler near the end of the year and certainly in his exit interview. Like we saw a guy who, you know, maybe, I don't want to say he's, he's willing to take a step back um, and accept a lesser role, you know, maybe not without a bit of a fight, but I do think he's a realist. And I think this is a guy who sees that another year ticked, ticked away and he's one year closer to his career being over um, and time is fleeting. And if it means maybe stepping back a bit or taking on a slightly lesser role, if it ultimately helps the team, uh, that that's something he's willing to to entertain. So I, I do see Shifley and Wheeler not so much joined at the hip and we as they were. I mean, we saw them, you know, separated by Dave Lowry on put on different lines. And I think we kind of saw them go in different directions, right? Whereas Shifley's game seemed to really struggle and very inconsistent. And then, of course, he gets the injury. I think we saw... Um, a bit of a new lease on life for Blake Wheeler. And I don't know how much of that was tied to the Shifley situation or not, or if it was just coincidence. But I think there were some signs there that would have you at least optimistic <clears throat> as to what you might have in Blake Wheeler here for what is presumably the last two years of his deal and perhaps the last two years of his NHL career. Uh, Mike, before we go, we do have another seven-game series, and this is the one. I mean, I'm so fired up about this. Yeah. Far more than recent Stanley Cup finals. Avalanche, Tampa. Who's uh, who's getting your nickel in this one? How do you see it going out? Well, I'm picking the Avalanche in what should be a, a just a tremendous series, and uh, my reason for doing so is, is this, Huss. Uh, I'm not going to be there in person. Therefore, I believe the Lightning uh, are cursed this year. Just to refresh the uh, the memories of, uh, of viewers and listeners, I was in the bubble in Edmonton when the Lightning won it in 2020. Uh, I was in Amelie Arena last summer when the Lightning won it for their second straight year. And I will not be in whatever rink happens to hand out the cup this year. I'm not covering it. Therefore, I, I suspect that their run is going to end. Um, look, I think Tampa, what they've done here and I saw someone tweet out the other day to put in perspective the quality opponents they've had to beat. Like they've beat like four of the, I think, top six or seven teams. Um, sorry, three of the top six or seven teams in the in the regular season standings just to get here. Like their path has been anything but easy. And they've done it, of course, without Braden Point for large stretches. Uh, so... <clears throat> I don't want to overlook Tampa at all. And if they were to win this series, it would not shock me in the least. I just feel like this is Colorado's year. I've kind of thought that for a couple of years. I know others have as well. Um, but I think, you know, they, they've got so many weapons. Uh, this should be just a, a potential to be an all-timer 
Stanley Cup final. So I will take the Avalanche, but I'll take them in seven thrilling games. And I think uh, as hockey fans, we we all win from what should be a, a really great final. No doubt about it. Get a few days off right now, uh, now that you've been back from your world travels. I do. I do. Yes, I'm off uh, off till the weekend. And uh, and then I'll have a column on Friday that I'll be writing. And then, bat- well, I should say this. There, if, if some buried trots or any coach news breaks, I'm on standby here. So <clears throat> we uh, will see if I get pressed into action a little earlier than anticipated. But uh, yeah, catching up on the laundry, reuniting with the family and the dogs and um, getting ready for the draft. I'll be out in Montreal in a few weeks, uh, of course. And that could be a, a newsy event for all the reasons we've talked about, whether it's Shifley news, coaching news, Jets get two first round picks. Um, a lot of Manitobans could go in the first round or guys with Manitoba links. So should be a great time. And hey, I hear Montreal in the summer is pretty nice. Uh, so that, that won't be a bad gig either, Huss. No doubt about it. Well, we'll have lots of time to talk about it as we get through the finals, some clarity on the Jets coaching situation and uh, plenty of uh, topics after that for Kevin Sheveldayoff to wrangle as we uh, get towards the upcoming season. Thanks for doing this, Mike. And again, great work on the Aaron Cockrell story. I think everyone really enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Have a good, great week. Good stuff. There's Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. All right. One of our favorites, Mokan's going to join us. We also have a clip of uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick discussing the full court press we've uh, enlisted to get Barry Trotz here to Winnipeg. Just before we do that, of course, Boston Pizza, great spot for tomorrow night if you're looking to get the fellows and the gang together to watch the game. Um, Boston Pizza always has the big game on the big screens with sound as well. Not to mention those gourmet pizzas, Boston's wings, and ice-cold schooners. And, of course, you can take advantage of their happy hour specials as well each day between 3 and 6 and 9 and 12. And, hey, if you're staying at home, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. We will get to our Cineboy Downs picks a little bit later on. We'll also get to a cool bet. And, of course, we should thank our friends at Canadian Club. Um, Of course, we're hoping to have one of the Bombers on tomorrow. Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, there was a lot of CC flowing at the game on Friday night. Uh, And throughout the weekend, a lot of people taking advantage of a great offer at the Canadians Beer Stores for the drink of the summer, Canadian Club and Ginger Ready to Drink Cocktail. Pop by any of the Canadians Beer Stores, grab a six-pack, of the CC and Ginger, and you get a free Bomber Slim Can Koozie and be entered to win an autographed Blue Bomber jersey with a different jersey being raffled off at each and every Canadian's beer store. And, well, this is a perfect little segue going into this clip because I think everyone knows by now we've teamed up with our friends at Little Brown Jug, great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk, to try to be the closers and get Barry Trotz in. And we played it a little earlier today, a free beer for life, a signature Barry Trotz brew if he becomes head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. You can find out more on Little Brown Jug over at littlebrownjug.ca and make sure to follow their socials. Getting a lot of traction right now with everything that's happened in the last 24 hours, including a little mention of it on 32 Thoughts. Here's Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman on the, uh, on the show earlier today. Did you yep. see the, <laughs> and I know why they did it and I'm falling right in the trap and I've, I've tried to grab the cheese in the trap and now I'm cocked because here I go, Elliot. Did you see yep. the little brown jug brewing company out of Manitoba? Yeah, someone told me about it this morning. I saw 
uh, one of our camera people, uh, John Einerson, and yeah. uh, he was telling me about it because he's a Winnipeg guy. So, for those that don't know, this um, this uh, this brewing company has offered Barry Trotz free beer for life if he takes the Winnipeg Jets job. You have a thought on whether Barry Trotz gets free beer for life? My initial my initial reaction to this is if he doesn't take it, can I have it? That's 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 my initial reaction. Be, take the beat um, reporter well, gig in Winnipeg, and you get beer for life. Okay, I'll take it. I, beer for life is enough to tempt me. There he goes. There's a little guy so having a little fun with the uh, with the little brown jug offer. Uh, that being said, as early it's been mentioning all this could be a week where some things happen. Mike just said, I don't think it'll happen tomorrow because of day one of the cup final. But don't be surprised if we do hear some information on Thursday or Friday. And of course, you will hear it here at one o'clock central on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, maybe a special show where we go on early, depending on what happens. We'll keep our fingers crossed and our ears to the ground. Um, we do have our Assiniboia Downs contest. Be sure to stick around. We're going to be picking a winner for race six. You'll have the opportunity to join us out at Assiniboia Downs for a little WST get-together with a beautiful prime rib buffet with a guest and more. But first up, let's head to Montreal and welcome back a WST favorite, our guy, MoCon with TSN 690, and now the play-by-play voice of the Montreal Alliance in the CEBL. Mo, what's up? How are you, man? I'm well, Andrew. It's been a while that we've uh, conversed, but uh, it's the summertime and there's so much sports going on. You've been busy. Um, tell us about the hoops gig. Uh, you know, I think we're sort of envious right now seeing the development of the CEBL around the league. And uh, obviously very happy for you. A great opportunity going forward in your career. But uh, how are you enjoying being the voice of CBL basketball in uh, in Montreal? Well, uh, thanks so much for the for the kind words. You guys have always been big supporters of my endeavors and stuff. And it's been awesome being the uh, play-by-play voice of the Alliance. Uh, we've done so far all the home games. They're, they're 3-0 at home, 0-4 on the road. Uh, your traditional expansion team uh, growing pains for what they've had. But I think Andrew as a whole for the city of Montreal for where they are, they have embraced this team because the dynamics of the roster composition is a lot of local-based kids from the Montreal area who have played in the European leagues, NCAA high-level uh, competition with a couple of American guys and two international players. And people have embraced it, right? They, they play out in the Verdun Auditorium, which seats about 4,000 or a little less than 4,000. And they've had two near sell or two sellouts, a bigger part in, and one near sellout uh, through three home games. And the one thing that's really caught my attention, along with my broadcast partner, Dwight Walton, is that we're seeing a lot of fans not come to the game wearing NBA gear, but wearing Montreal Lions stuff, whether it's hats, t shirts, or uniforms of the team. So it really has picked up in the city. And again, it's a small step towards, the, towards where they want to be. How far do they go this year to be determined? But they keep themselves relevant by winning games in the city, Andrew. And we know the city loves winners. If they continue to do so, uh, there can be definitely more eyeballs towards the months of July into August if they do make the playoffs. Well, and I say this, you know, as a, as a fan of hoops and someone that fondly remembers uh, crazy crowds here in Winnipeg for the Winnipeg Thunder, especially, and even the Cyclone to a degree, um, that Winnipeg's one of the bigger markets that's not in the league right now. Obviously, there's building availability and a whole bunch of things that have happened, but uh, I would imagine the CEBL would have interest in potentially moving out. There is a Saskatchewan team, and uh, if it did come here, I think it would be very, very well received. I mean, overall, it does sound like early returns on this league around the country are very positive. Yeah, it really is, and and Commissioner Mike Morreale, former CFL player, joined us for the first home game at halftime, and he mentioned 
uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, Quebec City, uh, even Halifax. That could all be factors uh, of expansion teams in the in the coming year or two or three, whatever it is. And I think now what the CEBL wants to do is kind of create that geography rivalry, right? We know about the Bombers and Riders with that rivalry and how close they are from a drive from each other. And I think in that context, if Winnipeg were to get a team, you have an automatic uh, rivalry with Saskatchewan, and that makes it even better. Even for, for Edmonton, Calgary comes into play, they have a rival. And for Montreal, it's Ottawa and maybe Quebec City. So you kind of want to piece that together. And also it helps from the perspective of travel that you don't have you don't have to have a team go to the East Coast to play two games. You can play two regional games and develop that first and then make it into a coast-to-coast league from Victoria to Newfoundland and have that be embraced by all across the provinces in Canada. No doubt about it. Mo Khan's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hey, while we're talking hoops, I want to ask you about the cup final, a little soccer, but um, uh, NBA finals, another big performance, big win by the Warriors. Celtics now on the ropes, although they're going home. What have you made of this series so far, and will we see a seventh game, Mo? Uh, I'm not surprised. It's gone according to how I thought it would have um, in terms of it was coming back to San Fran 2-2. I thought I'd go back to Boston 3-2 for, for Golden State. I think what we're seeing now, it was uncharacteristic for the Celtics to miss so many free throws. I mean, they were 81% from the free throw line uh, coming into the game, and they missed all those free throws that hurt them. And you saw that they, they were down by 12. They went in a blitz in the third quarter, but Golden State did not relent under the pressure. They, they were calm and cool and collected. They kept on shooting threes, Andrew. And I thought what, what was ironic was that that third quarter ending, when Poole hit that, uh, that buzzer beater, that kind of gave the momentum towards Golden State going towards the fourth quarter. And for Andrew Wiggins, for where he's at in his role, you know, speaking to Gabriel Morenci, who you know very well, uh, I, said, I said on his show on Sunday night, I go, look, Wiggins isn't required to score 25. Go out there, give us 15 to 20, maybe a few rebounds here and there, and lock down the best player. And he's done all that and plus more for the Warriors. And here's a great staff for you guys. Jason Tatum, who's an f- exceptional player that we know in, in the NBA, has had the most turnovers by a player in the NBA Finals since the ABA-NBA merger back in the 70s. That's remarkable, right? And, and Tatum's their, their flamethrower on that Boston team, and he didn't have a good game out as well. So I think now going back to six for, for Boston here, the question for, for the Celtics, Celtics will be this. Can they reestablish their length? Can they use their depth much better than what they did in game five? And also, who can be the point guard for this team? Because they don't have a true pure ball handler on that roster. So can you rely on Marcus Smart to be that guy? Can you rely on Jalen Brown or Tatum to carry the ball, which would exert more energy? So I think for, for Boston, they have more questions, but they can easily get the answers if they play the cards right going towards game six. Hey, while we're talking Canadian basketball, you mentioned Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he's been somewhat of a revelation. I think a lot of people for years had thought that he was a bust. He had a bad attitude. Obviously, there's issues with he and the Canadian national team that go back a number of years. But has he turned into the player that the T-Wolves thought they were getting when he was selected first overall? Yeah, look at Minnesota's history, though, right? They, <laughs> Kevin Garnett leaves, wins the title. Kevin Love leaves, wins the title. Everyone who leaves Minnesota wins elsewhere. And I think it, it was based on the fact that the T-Wells have been uh, a disorganized uh, club and how they have gone about with their business. And here's Wiggins who goes to San Francisco with a strong ownership group, a strong coaching staff in place, and the core base when healthy, phenomenal. And, and there's no pressure on him. People thought he, You're right. People thought he was a bust, that he was never going to materialize to being that alpha. But he doesn't have to be the alpha male on this Warrior team, Andrew. And now he's putting himself in position where – after the following season, 
he will catch in on a big dollar deal. He's entered the prime of his career. Uh, I would expect him to be part of Team Canada's basketball run for the Olympic bid uh, later on in, in the coming years, give or take. So he definitely has a momentum in his favor, and he's found a great spot with Golden State to be a guy that can go out there, lock down the best of the best, and score 20 a game. Mo Khan was uh, with us. Um, such a great time of year. I mean, we're seeing the end of the NBA Finals. Stanley Cup Final begins on Wednesday. And I'll be honest, I mean, the last couple of years, I mean, obviously it's a little different in Montreal when the Habs were in it. But, I mean, the Habs Lightning, the Lightning Dallas was, it was sort of like, let's get on to the offseason. This is maybe the most anticipated final series we've had in in a long, long time in the National Hockey League. And I am right fired up for game number one. Uh, what have you thought? What did you think about the conference finals? And uh, despite the fact that Colorado is a pretty significant betting favorite, um, I don't know. I mean, are you kind of with me and think this is far more closer to a pick em for a series than a, a clear advantage on the Colorado side? Yeah, I think, first off, it's a heavyweight fight, you know, uh, that that has two box office team names. Tampa, the two-time defending champions. Colorado, finally over the hump of not getting past the second round for how, God knows how many years in a row. And they have superstars on both teams that are former number one picks, high-end picks that have blossomed in those type of environments. And now for what they did, right, you look at Tampa, you know, John Cooper made a great point in the postgame win uh, on Saturday after their series win that, look, they were they were in a situation where they had nine, ten days, ten, nine to ten days off, I beg your pardon, and did not look good in games one or two against the Rangers and picked up their, the rhythm afterwards. And it caught up to the Rangers. Whereas for, for Colorado, I mean, look, you think about how they dismantled the Oilers, and I'm sorry, Oilers fans, but this was not even close. You guys were not even the same level of Colorado's elite talent that they have, that Colorado now goes into games one and two. How will they be? Because they've been off for almost a week and a half, Andrew. Yes, or they got one and two in Montreal, and the fact that it's going to be in the mile high, can they get things going early? Can they get at least a 1-1 split going to three and four in Tampa? Because I think for Colorado, I'm just curious to see how they can a, – do with their goaltending, and B, how do they replace Nazem Kadri? Because that's a big loss for the emotional fabric that he brings to that forward lines that he is for that Avalanche team. Well, and the other side of it, you mentioned the layoff for the Avs is very similar to the Eastern Conference Final when it was the Lightning that had been chilling for a week and the Rangers yeah. had been playing and went right in. And we all remember how that series started. Um, you know, to me... Listen, there's so much talent on both of these clubs. Um, certainly, I think coaching, you're going to give the nod to John Cooper just because he's been there so many times and had as it done before. But the one thing that kind of keeps on leaning me towards picking the Tampa Bay Lightning is the discrepancy in net. I mean, no disrespect yeah. to Pavel Francouz or Darcy Kemper. They've both been good. Francouz really good, actually, in the series against Edmonton. But I mean, you're going, uh, you're in another couple area codes when you're talking about Andre Vasilevsky and what he has done and his team has done with their backs against the wall or in opportunities where they can kill their opponent. Uh, we haven't seen anything like that in recent NHL history. And uh, I think anyone that's counting out the lightning or uh, maybe being a little foolish. Yeah, it, it, there's, a, there's a similar parallel to the Warriors Celtics series and that. Yeah, the Warriors with the wealth of, of title rings and, and deep playoff runs and Boston kind of coming along here. It, you know, young team like the Avalanche are entering the prime of their career. That's going to be the key is that experience because, you know, you look at Tampa, they know what it takes to win now, Andrew, right? You're right. John Cooper has that coaching edge from the experience standpoint of, at this level of hockey. 
But I also, I'm, I'm curious from the flip side, and, and I agree with you on the Vasilevsky point that, yes, he is going to be a monster for this Tampa Bay team. But I'm curious to see how much is left in the, in the reserves for this Tampa team because they've had two deep playoff runs and two unorthodox season likes that we've had with COVID-19, right, finishing in August and, of course, last, last year in July. So can they put together – Another maybe five, six, seven game sample of hey, we need to win four out of six, four to seven, whatever it might be, take win our third cup in a row because this could be it uh, for this core group here, Andrew. But it's going to be fascinating to see how they adapt to playing in in the mile high of Denver, Colorado for games one and two. Mo Cons with us here on WST. Mo, I can't have you on without quickly hitting our Canadian men's national soccer team, and we've had all these wonderful conversations over the last few months with the team qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, we had to not talk the last couple of weeks because it was that bad. I mean, we'll get to last night's game in a second. Uh, what have you made about the everything that's happened between the team, Canada soccer, the canceled game, and you know what sounded like the best point, the most exciting point in Canadian soccer history has been sort of a miserable few weeks for everybody involved, it seems. Yeah, it's, and I'll use the Simpsons uh, example because that's you know the, the always go-to phrase that's here. That's connects. It connects everything together. So there's that episode where, where Homer asks Mr. Burns, can I get some money, right? And then what money? And the money falls from the ceiling, right? Team CSA has had no money. Let's call it what it is. They're not, they're not England. They're not, they're not Germany. They're not Brazil with, with oodles of money. And now they got all this money coming in from the World Cup that, hey, we're going to have all this money coming in. We're going to boost up the, the local funds and all that stuff. And when push came to shove for the men's and women's team to ask for, for better compensation, because, again, there's a lot more players who are playing overseas that have to travel in the eye of their seasons to come play one or two games for friendlies or, or, or CONCACAF, whatever it might be. And that was not a good look for either side. And I just think now going towards the final four or five months before World Cup begins, the cancellation of the Iran game was not a good look for, for Team Canada. They should have realized the political ramifications this would have, obviously, from what happened a couple of years ago, which was awful in, in its own right that they should have realized we need to pair ourselves up with a better opponent than going with Iran at that time. So this thing now, can they reset this whole motion and get everyone all on the same page? Because now, Andrew, I believe there's going to be one more window of international games in early September for, for everyone worldwide. And that's it, right? Everyone's going back to club teams uh, as of July 5th. They're going to be back in the storm of playing club football. And then you'll get these guys back for early September. And then guess what? You get them for the World Cup. And, and so this is an important time for John Herman and for the CSA to get everyone on the same page and make sure everyone's bought into this because this could blow up for a lot of guys now. Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, Tejan Buchanan, in, in particular for Buchanan and, and David, this World Cup, if they're not sold now to bigger clubs here, this World Cup in the fall could set themselves up for a massive payday next summer if a big club comes calling for those two guys' services in the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, there was a game last night. It was this the Nations League. We lost to yeah, Honduras 2-1 to one in the <laughs> slop of CONCACAF. What happened, and does it really matter at all in the big picture? I mean, what is the significance of yesterday's loss for Canada? Yeah, it, it was a slop drop of, of, of water that we witnessed. And nothing, like this Nations thing is, is a complete farce for, for FIFA and for UEFA and for its governing bodies to just keep guys playing soccer because it's a moneymaker. Uh, networks are going to pay whatever it is to get these games on their TV uh, channels and whatnot. It's a complete waste. All it was yesterday was to see these guys, how they would react 
Uh, given the fact that it was unfortunate that it was pure rain and, and it was a, it was almost like a water slide out there in Honduras, I take nothing from this game. I just think that it was a run for these guys to see what Herman has right now. Because, again, he needs as many games as possible to assess what's available for him for resources going towards the four, final five months before November. So for him right now, uh, Andrew, for John Herman, he's got to make sure that he's got the right formation, the right chemistry, and to make sure these guys are going to be locked in for that moment that they'll have in Qatar in late November. Mo, great chatting with you as always. All the best with the uh, continued broadcast of the Montreal Alliance. And people can find out more on the Canadian Elite Basketball League at cebl.ca. And uh, we'll catch up real soon. Keep it smooth, pal. Absolutely. And who knows? Will Kari Jones be the head coach by the time we converse again? We'll find out. Well, listen, is Montreal going to cover three and a half against the Argos on Thursday? They're, they're, they they don't have Stanback. They don't have Greg Reed. They have some in, injured guys right now. That that line might be in favor of Toronto if I'm taking that line. I'm glad we talked before doing the lock shop tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, pal. Take care, man. Uh, good stuff with MoCon. Give him a follow on Twitter at MoCon19. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Because we do have some business to attend to before the end of the program, dude. Uh, we will get to the cool bet lines, though, a little bit of a quieter day. Uh, but we'll take a little look ahead to the week in the Canadian Football League. But I think before we do that, let's get to our picks for the races tonight. Of course, Assiniboia Downs live racing is on. I know it's pretty ugly outside right now with quite a bit of rain. But I don't think that should impact what's happening at the track tonight. And it's certainly won't impact what's happening in the Terrace Dining Room with that world-famous prime rib buffet. Now, we're going to make our picks as we do each and every live racing day. But when we get to race six, you're going to have the opportunity to email in your pick for race six, any horse, to win the race. You're going to send it over to Sherry to Cinnaboya Downs at Sherry, S-H-E-R-I-G, at asdowns.com. And um, we're going to do, we did this yesterday, today, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. The top three people to pick the most winners over the course of the two weeks are in with a guest to join us. We'll also do a random draw of people, of anyone that puts in a um, contestant for any of the races. Um, we'll get a bit of a crew together for a fun night at Cinnaboya Downs, and we'll be all hitting that amazing prime rib buffet. Um, so first things first, let's get to our picks. Um, Remo, I'll go with mine. Um, let's get to it. I'm going to start with race number one tonight at ASD. And I'm going to do sort of a weird triactor wheel. I'm taking one and three, which is barely regal. Excuse me, one and four. Uh, uh, Daddy's Rare Edition to be one, four, either way. And then I'm going to take two, five, or three, two, five, or six in the third spot. So it's sort of a different store, sort of triactor wheel that I've done before. Essentially six $1 bets. If I hit one of them, it, it'll pay for one buck. Um, race number two, we're going to go with the good old 2-5 Quinella. That is Call You Tomorrow and Contraband. Uh, race number five, we're going to get another triactor wheel in here. Bigger race, seven horses. We're going to see if we can go back to the well with Gold Shaft, number two. Number four is Enhanced Finance, and number four is Just Call Me Candy. So, those three in the top three, any uh, way will pay it off for me. And then, uh, well, I'll save my race six pick uh, when we get to it. Uh, get us your picks outside of race six, and then we'll finish it off with everyone, then they can make their selections. Yeah, let me just bring them up here. I got a couple picks 
And we'll go over race six last night uh, in a sec when we get to race <laughs> yes, six. Yes, we will. Someone needs to take a victory lap. Uh, race four. I'm going with this race for Quinella. But I have two and seven. Four, Nasian, and Big Tony. That is a $10 bet. So they have to finish first and second, no matter the order. And the other bet I have is a race seven. This is a massive field here. Nine horses. And I'm betting on big time Gizmo to win. Five dollars. Nicely that, done. And so that's I, number four. Yeah, that's number four. Then I have um then we can go to race six. Race six. So we've got seven horses. Yeah. Um, and we're both gonna include this one on our selections. I am going, I'm gonna go with number three, house limit mm-hmm. with Antonio Whitehall on the ride. Um, so my pick for the winner tonight is house limit. And Remo's trying to go back-to-back in race six because he did have the winner last night and, as I mentioned, was stunting in the ASD YouTube chat after the ending of the race. Who who are you taking tonight? Yeah, hold on. Uh, I am taking Mass Mischief with my selection. Mass Mischief. That is my pick. Schickster is asking us uh, about the results from the other day. I'm just trying to pull it up here. And the result... Well, I know Remus got it right. I got it right yesterday. I was on Cheers to Mom. That was that was correct. So essentially, here's the standings. Everyone that had Cheers to Mom has one. Everyone that didn't have Cheers to Mom has zero. Those are the standings, Schickster. And you can judge yourself accordingly whether you had Cheers to Mom or somebody else, whether you're 1-0 or 0-1. Um, as I said, very simply. So we've got the list. It's Gooch Express is number one. Two's Uncle Mo's Cat. House Limit, that's my horse, number three. Dictator, number four. Five is Himmelstein. Six is Rail Splitter. And seven is Moss Mischief. So pick a horse. Send an email to Sherry, S-H-E-R-I-G, at asdowns.com. Just include your name and phone number so they can track them. And uh, good luck to everybody. And as I said, at the end of next week, we'll see from uh, all of the guests and all of the guesses that we've had in, uh, we'll uh, pick some winners, and we'll have a great night out scarfing on some great prime rib and hopefully picking some winners out at the track. You can find out more in Assiniboy Downs <clears throat> at asdowns.com. Um, finishing it up with the cool bet lines, well, we'll take a quick look at tomorrow's line for the National Hockey League. Interesting. Lightning number's gone down a little bit. It was plus 129 yesterday, now plus 124. Avalanche minus 147. Let's see if it's any change with the series. Nope. Series is still pretty solid. I still can't believe that Tampa's as big of an underdog as they are, plus 147. I mean, if I'm if I'm making this line, Remo, I might give the Avalanche a slight, slight lead, like maybe a minus 115 to minus 105 or minus 120 to even money. It's a big, big number to lay on the Avalanche, but a hell of a talented team, and a lot of people are expecting that this is their year, but, oh, you got to pay for it at minus 172. Yeah, that seems expensive, and from the models I've seen online, I think the Avs do have like a 60 or 70% chance uh, to win, but I don't know how you, you know, I just think it's crazy that Tampa just keep being the underdog over and over again. And here they are in the cup final as two-time defending champions, and they're plus 147. So I would take Tampa. They have the edge in goaltending. Do 
You want to say the rest is even. I mean, it's a big edge with Vasilevsky. So I am going Tampa is my pick. I kind of would like to see uh, see Colorado win. I mean, I'm getting all these memories of watching old Avs team seeing Joe Sack up there. I do, and I do have the Alex Tangay jersey behind me on my couch right here. So I do love that third jersey. So I would lean Tampa uh, just on, on this. And what do you want to? You can pick the number of games. What series spread is what minus. One and a half for Colorado or plus one and a half. Is that plus one and a half for Tampa? That is plus one and a half for Tampa. That minus minus one thirty yesterday. And yeah, it's crazy. now gone up. That was one of my picks for the lock shop. By the way, uh, due to some scheduling changes, lock shop is going to be live tomorrow at 9 30 a.m. So um, wherever you get your podcast, search lock shop, subscribe to that one, or uh, join myself and Dustin Nielsen on Twitter tomorrow for the video stream of the program as well. Quick look at the CFL lines for the weekend. Alouettes and Argonauts kick things off on Thursday night. Of course, that's Andrew Harris's Toronto Argonaut debut. No William Standback for the Owls. Argos minus three and a half point favorites right now. Uh, the Bombers were six point underdogs yesterday. Are now, or sorry, six point favorites yesterday. Uh, there's been a lot of action on the Red Blacks, and I think that sort of makes sense considering the game last week. The Red Blacks now just four-point underdogs. Bombers laying four on the road against Ottawa. Hamilton, two-point favorites at home against the Calgary Stampeders, still up in the air as to who will be starting at QB for Calgary. They're two-point road dogs. And a game that yesterday was Saskatchewan, six-and-a-half-point road, road favorites is now seven-and-a-half Kind of a key number, well, especially in the NFL, maybe less so in the Canadian Football League, but still seven and a half point favorites on the road. The Elks, a home dog at plus 77.5. And not surprising, Remo, considering how Chris Jones's squad got thoroughly embarrassed by the BC Lions in week one last weekend. Yes, uh, I, I agree. Edmonton did not look good. They got absolutely embarrassed. I've got a lot of questions about but their offense and defense now, Saskatchewan, I wasn't sure about them. They were on top of the three down nation power rankings that Justin Doug mentioned. I was shocked, but very convincing went over Hamilton, who I thought was going to be a lot better. I'd probably lean Hamilton. Well, who's starting quarterback for Calgary? Is it? Do we know who well, that's, it is? That's not for sure. They said they think believe up. Part of me thinks that Dave Dickinson would rather play Jake Meyer. So he's, uh, he's looked better going back two years than Bo. So I, I mean, if it's Bo, I'm taking Hamilton. But if it's Mayor, I'm not sure. And I took Hamilton D on on DraftKings. I thought they would be a lot better. But uh, Saskatchewan, they got Duke Williams now full-time. I mean, their receivers are, are pretty strong. So, you know, I know the knock on Fajardo before was he didn't throw deep. But, hey, they look good. They look good uh, on Saturday. So, I, I don't know. Still leaning, leaning Hamilton, Saskatchewan. I'm kind of in Ottawa, I would take with the points. Story bombers and this Montreal try. I'm not sure about you know Vernon Adams Jr. Some games looks unreal. Some games he's a turnover machine. And Toronto, we just they well, were, Dunk said Dunk yeah. said you know I mean Toronto's going to have tape on Montreal. Montreal won't have any on Toronto. But at the same time, maybe you feel better having played a game as opposed to going into week number two. We'll be able to talk about these over the next couple of days. You don't have to lock anything until in until Thursday. Uh, but of course, in the meantime, anytime you want to. Play a little sprinkle. You can do it over at coolbet.com and use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Blue Jays, 
Uh, big favorite again, minus 200 at home. Cash the uh, run line yesterday was plus 115 on minus two and a half. But with Manoa on the hill and the Orioles in town, that was an easy cash as well. Um, great show today. Thanks to everyone for the support, especially of our Trots Watch initiative to try to get Barry home to Manitoba. We'll see what happens in the next few days, but we'll certainly be talking about it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, big thanks to everyone that joined us. Hit the red subscribe button if you haven't already, and make sure to hit that thumbs up if you're with us on YouTube before you go. Uh, and a big thanks to all of our guests who popped by today. Justin Dunk, Mike McIntyre, Matt Calvert, and of course, Mo Khan. Good luck with your picks tonight. Again, email your winner for race number six to Sherry G at asdowns.com to get in on the contest and uh, stay dry. Pretty ugly outside right now. We'll see whether the gold eyes game goes on as planned tonight or whether they have got a double header tomorrow. I imagine that'll all be up in the air, but bottom line is we'll be talking about and getting you ready for game one of the Stanley cup final. Ken Weeb's going to join us from Denver uh, amongst other guests on the show. Thanks again to all of you for being with us. All the sponsors that make Winnipeg sports talk happen each and every day. We'll see you tomorrow. 1 PM live on YouTube right here on WST. Oh my God. Shut it down. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.